Bienvenue, Konnichiwa, Nihao, Jambo, Morhaba. It's time for the Armist Inquisition yet again, episode 247 on Sunday, the 11th of September, an auspicious date to be podcasting. I'm Armish Phil. I'm Armish Ben. I'm Armish Matt. And uh, tonight's beer, as we were just <laughs> discussing, is uh, Thixton's Old Peculiar. Yeah. But there's nothing old or peculiar about tonight's guest. We've got Dan Stevens with us. How are you doing, Dan? Hi guys, thanks for inviting me on. It's a pleasure, I've been looking forward to this. We've been uh, talking on Twitter and you sent me out on a wild goose chase to find an old tombstone and I, I pretty much shit the bed. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was thinking we might get into that in, uh, in a minute. Um, there's a famous quote by yeah. Napoleon, um, history is a set of lies agreed upon. And I get the feeling, looking yeah, at what you is. put on Twitter and whatnot, that you probably sympathise with that point of view. Would that be correct? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Nothing is uh, as it seems at the moment. Uh, I think current events have raised a lot of um, questions over the way things are run, and people have started asking questions about history and you know, gone out and started doing their own research. And uh, I think that's an important starting point as well, that the, the history that we look at and the history that we, lot re, we rely on is written circa 1700, 1800. And it's written by aristocrats that were able to do the traveling, do the research and visit these places. Um, but now in 2022, we're just as equipped to do our own research. Um, you know, fair enough, we may not be able to go to the sites with shovels and start digging it up, but we can see exactly what they saw um, we can make up our own mind instead of relying on what they saw and their interpretation of that. We can go there, we can visit these sites, we can look at the photographic evidence of uh, other people that have visited the sites. And, and, uh, and this is the problem. People are asking questions because the kind of mainstream legacy narrative doesn't seem to match what people are photographing and, and seeing when they visit these sites. So it raises lots of questions. How did you end up down this rabbit hole? Was there uh, something that happened, some sort of experience you had that made you start questioning how the world works? Yeah, I think for me it was a slow burn. Obviously, um, you know, we've spoken before and uh, my background was I was a whistleblower um, and that was exposing issues around anti-doping in the UK. And um, I worked with the Sunday Times on that. And that, that was a you know, Sunday evening mainstream headline news story where UK anti-doping had refused or failed to investigate doping in the UK. Um, at exactly the same time, UK anti-doping were in Russia saying that Russia were running a state-funded doping program. UK anti-doping on home shores were refusing to investigate 
what potentially could be a large-scale doping program within the Premiership Football League and other sports. Um, so I was asked to testify to par- Parliament after the Sunday Times run the story. Um, I've done a couple of um, evidence sessions with the Digital Culture, Media and Sport Committee. Um, that's the same committee that Zeb Co or Lord Co refused to attend. Um, and... Um, I uh, also worked with the UCI, which is the Union Cyclist International, who runs cycling, run the Tour de France. Um, after the Lance Armstrong scandal, they launched a three million pound investigation into um, a history of doping and uh, within cycling. And I was one of only sixteen uh, athletes that was listed in that report, and it's called the Cyclist Independent Reform Commission. So, you know, when you when you start seeing these guys, how they work at that level, um, and you're fairly suspicious on history and you're questioning, you know, the purpose of life, who made man, where do we come from, uh, and you've got an interest in history as well, then it sort of spirals from there, really, to, you know, where we are, where we are now and what we're talking about or what we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah. So you came forward as a whistleblower expecting you know, a certain reaction that the information you were providing would be acted upon by the powers that be in this sort of anti-doping yeah. NGO setup, whatever it is in the UK. Yeah. Is it WADA? Is, is that the one? Well, that's well, the world, world one. Anti-doping. Yeah, you've got the World Anti-Doping Authority and uh, and they, they manage the, um, the WADA code, which, you know, says what you can, what you can't do as an athlete. Right. Then that's rolled out to a um, like an, an NGO level to national governing bodies that that deal with their own um, anti-doping issues. So what you have is, is UK anti-doping um, trying to um, catch British dopers um, that are funded by the British government that are trying to win Olympic medals against people that they know are doping anyway. So, you know, when you see athletes who are British, as an example, you see Paula Radcliffe um, beat a Russian marathon runner who was hand-selected through a, um, you know, the school's program, clearly genetically gifted, then put on a doping program using something like EPO, which will give you you 15% improvement. And then Radcliffe puts two kilometres into her. Um, on Earl Grey and tea cakes. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it raises questions. Uh, and I, I, you know, I've used these substances myself. I've used EPO. Uh, when I cycle, we'd manage um, the output in power in watts. So if I was 78 kilograms, I could ride 300 watts for 30 minutes. Um, within a few months of using EPO, I was 71 kilograms, so I'd lost seven kilograms, and I was putting out 380 watts for an hour and 20 minutes. Wow. So imagine if you do that, and then someone else comes along, and you're already doing that, and you've already got that improvement, and they still put two minutes on top of that in a marathon. Mm. The thing with me is it always seems like an arms race when it comes to doping, and, and that the the medical or pharmaceutical profession with the athletes are always one step or two steps ahead of the regulators and the testing. Well, that That's gets really interesting because, yeah, and, and I can give you some more information on that. Uh, the legal company, the law firm that um, defends Wilder 
defends the IAAF, defends Lord Co, defends Chai Media, defends UK anti-doping, is a law firm called Bird and Bird. Bird and Bird's um, legal department write, effectively write most of the Wilder code. So they're a British firm dealing with, uh, you know, Wilder, IAAF, I think they deal with FIFA, basically all the, all the sports bodies. But sport is only a small percentage of Bird and Bird's legal work. Look, Bird and Bird's main expertise is in writing patents for early stage pharmaceuticals that have not yet reached clinical, not yet reached marketing. So what you've got is a legal firm who've got access to uh, early stage patents, um, trying to sanction non-British athletes and, and defending all the media stuff and all of the other issues that go with the bad publicity that you've seen with anti-doping. So there's obviously a massive conflict of interest there. So it's it, the problem is, is not many people really look at this stuff. It's there. The, the journalists can see it's there, but you know, we know what journalism looks like at the moment. Um, and, uh, you know, and this stuff isn't really getting out there. So there is a lot more to my story and there's a lot more to other stories like mine with regards to numerous athletes that have basically died in their sleep under the care of British cycling. Wow. Um, we, we know that um, British cycling were um, kind of quote-unquote raided by UK anti-doping and they found testosterone... Um, anti-acne drugs, birth control drugs, Viagra, of all things, at the British Cycling's Velodrome. So that investigation then spiralled into the Dr. Freeman investigation where Dr. Freeman was buying testosterone for British Cycling's athletes or staff. Um, and it was investigated by the General Medical Council and, and he was later struck off. So we know what's going on. You can see what's going on. Uh, who that's being given to, we don't know. But, you know, a British cycling doctor was buying testosterone for British cycling or while he's employed by British cycling and having it delivered to the velodrome. So... Now, there's, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say there's like a similar thing, you know, like in football and, and Liverpool where there's this... Uh, it, well, it's called a conspiracy theory, but it's probably just true. Um, where the entire squad is being diagnosed nearly with asthma. So they can take sort of yeah. like the inhalers and things like that. And obviously that yeah. increases your sort of, your output yeah. and all the rest of it. Liverpool's quite a smoggy city. <laughs> it is, isn't it? But there was like, they, bought, they just recently bought a striker. Um, yeah. And I believe, like, you know, prior to coming to the club, whether this is true or not, but I'm just going to say anyway, but he, he wasn't diagnosed with asthma, did his medical and he was suddenly diagnosed with asthma before he joined essentially so could get it you know and improve your sort yeah, of and this is, this is what you saw with bradley wiggins when he was taking this uh, jiffy bag and he had a therapeutic yeah. use exemption for um trimacinolone which is uh like kenicor kenicor is a is a cortisone injection that you would have been able to get on the nhs for seasonal allergies so rather than taking a antihistamine for the year you could get a kenicor injection um that's a cortisone injection. Um, but the benefit of cortisone of an athlete is it, it's catabolic. So you'll lose weight. If you take Kenacort, inject Kenacort or, or um, cortisone, it will help you lose weight and retain muscle uh, or retain strength. So when you look at the Tour de France and these riders are super, super skinny and they've all got TUEs for cortisone and cortisone injections, um, 
which is an injectable version of the brown inhaler. Mm. Then, you know, so they so they are they, they really need to be taking the blue inhaler and the brown inhaler. They don't need to be taking um, cortisone injections, intramuscular injections. Mm. Um, and and this is all old school doping that was still going on fairly recently. And it's important to realise that those riders haven't slowed down. You know, they're still going as fast, if not faster. Yeah. Um, and also the riders that are the old school riders that were doing that are now the team manager, the team managers, and the director sportifs of the tour, of the teams that you see in the Tour de France. Um, and they're there doing that job for a reason. And when you say it's an arms race, it's an arms race now for the countries that manage anti-doping. So if you if you're a, a if you're an NGO and you want your athletes to perform and win medals at the Olympics, um, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's insane to expect that those guys are going to doggedly pursue our next Olympic champions. Um, and this is why it's bizarre. You know, ideally you should have the Russian NGOs managing the Britain, British athletes and the British NGOs managing the Russian athletes, because obviously they're, they're, they're mm-hmm. going to be on, a, you know, it's going to be more intense what they're doing. So it's a bit of a nonsense, really. And, um, you know, I've got kids, and I don't think I'd ever want them to get involved in sport. Um, because as good as they could be, there's going to be a point where you say, well, look, you know, you're going to have to dope. And when you when you look at the history of cycling at the moment, it was only a week or two ago that the, uh, well, say young lad, he was a 34-year-old rider yeah, in Scotland. One, yeah, <clears throat> just died in the morning. There was a, another lad a couple of months back. Um, there was two lads who were under 16. Um, I've researched the autopsy report, the, the coroner's report for one of those lads, and they put an official warning on it for British cycling, um, saying that they're absolutely shocked that British cycling, who run a marginal gains, attention to detail, no stone unturned policy wasn't doing any fitness tests or health tests on its 16 year olds of course if you was doping your 16 year olds you wouldn't want to be seen to be doing any tests on those one it may disclose the evidence of doping um so you, you know you, you, you'd better say well we just wasn't doing any tests we're incompetent <laughs> yeah, that, that is happening against the backdrop of a marginal gains program where British cycling um, support their riders at the Tour de France who take their own pillows and duvets to hotels across France. Um, you know, and this is what you saw with Team Sky when it comes to Bradley Wiggins. They were saying attention to detail, marginal gains, blah, 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 blah. When they said to um, David Browsford, have you got the medical records for Bradley? Uh, they say oh, we haven't got any. <laughs> we we conveniently we've conveniently lost those. We lost every single one of them for our most successful rider. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he from yeah. Round Here as yeah, well? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, so. He's the East London London guy. Yeah, he's a. He's a I yeah, think he's, yeah, I think he's, he's nice lad. Actually, yeah, the North The issue is, he's he's, he's part of the job. Mm. You know, it's part of the job. Um, I'm not saying I'm not advocating doping. Um, what I'm saying is it's, it's a situation where, you know, it's a game, isn't it? These guys know they're not going to perform if they don't do it. Mm. Um, you know, it's like the prisoner's dilemma, isn't it? Like you, you're damned if you're doing damage, don't. You know, if you don't do it, you're not going to job, going to have a job. If you do do it and you get away with it, you're going to get a job. Mm. Um, and if there are guys getting away with it, um, you know, what are you going to do? You either beat them or join them. So it's, it's a kind of a natural selection process where arguably you would say that the, the natural kind of sociological 
um, issue that goes with sport and doping indicates that, that most of the athletes will be dopers. Well, that, if you don't do it, you won't have a job. Yeah, I mean, there's there's been a, I'm taking it back to football again, but there's like there's been a few high profile um, people. So if, like if you were uh, cycling, then I was just interested when they kind of turn up um, to sort of do you like a random drugs test on you. Because um, there's been mm. like a few players, I, I, the one that's coming to my mind is Rio Ferdinand. He got banned, didn't he, for like a year or mm. something because he, he missed three. So how yeah. easy is it, I suppose, to... Uh, to avoid detection? Well, when, yeah. when I first met with you, Cads, there's a, there's a rule in the Wilder Code that says if you give them information that leads to the discovery of an anti-doping rule violation or should lead to the discovery of anti-doping rule violation, you're able to get a reduction of your ban by up to 75%. So this happened in the Armstrong case where um, the uh, US anti-doping, working with, um, I think it was the FBI or something like this, where Lance's ex-teammates had a knock on the door of a man with a gun and a badge and said, you need to tell us everything um, because yeah. we're the FBI. That's very different to Wilder knocking on your door. So these guys <laughs> spilled the beans, and that those reports, which were an investigation into corruption, accidentally landed on the desk of USADA. So yeah. the irony with the Armstrong case is US anti-doping cheated far more than Lance did to catch Lance. So you got the foxes guarding the hen house. So, you know, it, it's it's it, it's a crazy system, and uh, I wouldn't really want my my children competing in sport or being involved in that system. Um, yeah, he, you know, I was just going, and, to... and going back to football. Yeah, um, just on that point, like the the doctor that I provided information to was working with Leicester City, and uh, Leicester were absolutely smashing it, and then they had that bad year where they completely collapsed, and that was the year that this doctor was taken out of. <laughs> Wow. So that's when yeah. they won the Premier League, was it? The, uh, the, was it yeah. That period. Yeah. 2016. Yeah. I think it's 2016, was it? Oh, so, my word. Um, yeah, it's insane. And, and the doctor, like when I was when I was working with the Sunday Times, they they were going to um, publish the story and they rang me up and said, look, you know, we're going to go live with it. Um, I think that was maybe November. Um, and then he rang me and said, look, something's happened. We can't tell you what it is, but we're going to hold the story back, but it's crazy. So they had one of the performance coaches, one of the major premiership league football, football clubs on video with the doctor over dinner saying, look, the doctor deals with the doping. Um, we deal with the, I deal with the fitness and the nutrition, um, but basically dope half the premiership. And they had him on video. So the Times, obviously, as they um, as they do, they have to release the story to the people they're going to write the story about. Right to reply, um, yeah. Which give, yeah, which gives them the opportunity to put an injunction. So four, I can't say who they are, obviously, but four or five of the major Premiership League football clubs put an injunction on the Times to stop the story. Mm. Um, and then subsequently after that, you know, it, it went quite big. I've I done quite a lot of uh, TV work for RT, who are now, you know, banned all over Europe. Um, because you can imagine Russia wanted to run the story that, you know, while UK had a point the finger at Russia, UK are failing to do things in the UK. Um, and then I was asked to speak at the Cheltenham Book Festival and um, do a question time with Lord Moynihan, who was, you know, Margaret Thatcher's kind of right-hand man at the time. I thought um, that was Willie. Everyone needs a Willie, she famously said. 
it's a crazy debate. Like they were talking about criminalizing doping. Now, of course, if you criminalize it, it's harder to sanction the athletes. So the, the countries that are not part of this, this kind of scam wilder system have criminalized doping because the burden of proof. So as it is in the moment, the way anti-doping works, you've got to prove you didn't do it. They don't have to prove you did it. Uh, so kind of a, a quasi reversed burden of proof. They say you've done it. They've got a moderately good case against you and you've again got to prove they're wrong. Now what, WADA funds the anti-doping researchers. And in the funding document, it says that if your research leads to information that says um, that there's errors within the testing and you give that information to athletes who then use it to successfully defend an anti-doping case, you have to refund all all the money we've given you as funding. Right. So an athlete goes to a professor and says, look, you've done this test. The professor's sitting there saying, well, I know it's a crap test, but if I tell you it's a crap test and you use that to defend yourself, WADA can ask for all the funding back. Right. And presumably WADA right. yeah. uh, pay for, it's up to them to pay for all the drug, yeah. random drug yeah. testing throughout sport. Exactly. So going right. back to your original question, how did I go down this rabbit hole? That's how academia works. And these clowns are writing our history. Mm-hmm. So when you when you um, start looking at the history and you see what we see, you also see that they couldn't see what they must have seen what we see. But they choose to ignore it. Yeah, or they're not. Or yeah, exactly. They either choose to it, choose to ignore it, um, or they're not allowed to report it. And I think the end result is they'll choose to not ignore it because if they don't ignore it, they won't have a career. They'll be gone. You know, and, and the. You know, it might be worth you telling people watching this what I asked you to do in the build-ups to this. You uh, set me a challenge to have a look around local graveyards mm. and see if you can find any headstones dating, uh, what year did you say, like before the 1700s, something like that? Pre-mid-1700s. Pre-mid-1700s. Pre-mid-1700s, yeah. So I looked around our local town. We're in Preston, our local city. And mm. the majority of the churches I found that I knew about were 19th century and they didn't have graveyards. So I had to think a bit harder. And I remembered there's a little church at Broughton mm. that looks old as shit. Yep. So I had a quick look on Google and it said 1906. I thought, what? And uh, it turns out if you dig a bit deeper, it was renovated in 1906. Uh, the actual tower is 15th century ooh. and it has a graveyard. Mm-hmm. So I went, I knew it as I'd been to a funeral there in a previous life. <laughs> <laughs> so I went, uh, had a look round, spoke to a nice lady who's a bell ringer. Yeah. And, um, oh, I've left it in, inside. She gave me a, a little pamphlet because her husband had written a pamphlet about the gravestones in the church. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> the earliest one I could find in that church was 1840. And it yeah. was staggering um, the size of them. These, these from the sort of... Yeah. 1840s to late 1800s, these headstones are massive. They're like four or five feet high, three feet wide, 900 mil to millennials. Did you find the witch as well? Oh, yeah, is that in that one? No, coming on to that. Oh, right, okay. (laughs) That's it, Broughton. (laughs) Oh, right, okay. No, because that was a bust. I'm I'm trying to find something before 1700, and the earliest I found was 1840. Okay. So I was talking to my missus this morning, saying I can't find it, and she she thought thought of a few local old churches, and um, she went, "What about you? Want to go to Pendle? Pendle witches?" 
Mm. There'll be some old stuff. And I thought, right, yeah, great idea. Witch trials were 15th, 16th century, maybe. Mm. So there's a church in Broughton called St. Anne's. I'm going to throw up a picture here. Oh. Let me just uh, roll, scoot up. Editing. Yeah, it's going to come up now. It's called Gravestones. It is. That's a picture of St. Oh, Anne's yeah. Church. Yeah. And um, a co- Broughton. Uh, right. Sorry, Wolplumpton. Wolplumpton. Yeah. And um, they, they uh, according to them, there was a chapel on the site at least 1,200, mm. according to their records, whatever that means. Uh, but it's an old church, and I found a few interesting things. This is the wrong way around. But this is the uh, this is a, a stone in the churchyard, and this is purported to be the burial place of a witch. Yeah, who was buried face down. Yes, absolutely. So she couldn't dig herself out. So she couldn't dig herself out. The witch's grave beneath this stone lie the remains of Meg Shelton, alleged witch. <laughs> Of Woolplumpton, buried 1705. Now, there's nothing on it. There's no markings. It's mm. it's a cool story, bro, isn't it? That's as far as we can go yeah. with it. I wanted, like, a stone inscription. Now, this is interesting. I'll just have to uh, transform this again. Enhance, rotate, magnify, <laughs> rotate, 90 degrees, <laughs> counterclockwise. Right, so this is outside the front of the church, mm. and this is an old stock. Ah, yeah. You see... 15, 1600, aren't they? Well, they purport to be um, 1600s. How no. many arms did that person? <laughs> Goro from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah. So there's yeah, there's four holes there which your arms and legs would go in, and then they'd pelt you with all sorts of feces, I presume, and rotten yeah. vegetables. Right. Uh, there is an inscription. If you look at the right hand pillar, okay. there's an inscription right. there. A B seventy three, I think it is. So I would assume that the left hand pillar would have had sixteen or. 17 or 18, don't know. So the, this thing you're seeing here, this is like an ornament in a fish tank. <laughs> Go on. Yeah? Go on, like what a, do you, you mean know, by like that? Like a fake pirate ship. In the, okay, you, you know when you look in an aquarium, there's a, there's a deep sea diver just standing around in the bottom of it. And you've got the fish, the goldfish, swimming around thinking he's a, he's a real deep sea diver. That, that ornamentation... He's, he's done for effect. This is this is what you see in a fish tank. All you see like a Paris. sunken ship. Then he's, exactly. You see a castle. Yeah. You see a you see a, a, a ship in the bottom of the ship in the bottom of the fish tank. Now the ship hasn't got any masts. Yeah. The ship hasn't got any nails. The ship hasn't got an anchor because you don't need to build a real ship and then make it into a, a sunken ship. You just build a, a ship as a sunken ship. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. you don't you don't you build a you build a derelict castle in the bottom of the fish tank, and you see this at a lot of churches, and it's done for effect. Right. So you find a lot of these old school type stocks in ch- around yeah. churchyards, do you? I've seen the same. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like it's kind of old school ornamentation, and the reason you, it doesn't quite make sense is because mm. it just doesn't make sense. Um, we'll go into that in a bit more detail around this that that kind of narrative creation. Isn't that where they put the, the heretics? <laughs> Sorry, isn't that where they put the heretics <laughs> outside the church in the stocks? Well, what they do is a lot of this old stuff, and, and, and you see this with with kind of recent um, virus type stuff. 
uh, where, you know, in, in China, people were collapsing and dying. <laughs> then we look at that as, as propaganda. Um, but it's more a case of creating a mindset where we're going to do something really bad to you, but it could be a lot worse because, you know, you could be in stocks or you could be collapsing on the streets of China. So it's this <coughs> some kind of conditioning program where they, they, they weave in this horrific kind of torturing and medieval stocks and racks and stuff like that. Um, because, you know, if you don't park, if you don't pay your parking ticket, you know, that's plan B. Um, so of course you didn't pay your parking ticket thinking it could be a lot worse. So are you, am I getting the picture then as far as like the people collapsing in the streets in China at the start of the, the, uh, Western propaganda rather than Eastern propaganda. Yeah. Western propaganda. Uh, the, the people throwing themselves out of the balconies in China because they're in lockdown again, that's Western propaganda. Because we're seeing videos again only this week of these drones because yeah. they've, they've uh, apparently yeah. locked down another 20 million people or something and they've got yeah. drones flying around the skyscraper going, you know, telling them to yeah. shut up. As they're pushing up towards communism, they're saying that communism's really bad. So this communism isn't, isn't as bad as theirs, but we don't. We've got we've got no way of knowing whether that communism even exists, unless you actually go. Unless you actually go. Now, I sponsored cycling teams, and we did actually go. We uh, we were paid by the UCI to send riders to China. Um, you know, we sent 17, 18 year olds, who are, you know, top British cyclists, um, to China to do a cyclocross race in China. No problem. No hassle. Nothing. Wow. So that the whole thing is a Western construct, like the uh, the plight of the Uyghurs. Hmm. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying China are perfect. And I you know, I haven't been myself. But my personal experience is sending athletes there to race, no issues. And, uh, you know, these were young lads. These were, uh, you know, 17, 18, 19, whatever they were, um, within mechanic, um, They'd say if there was an issue, you know, they've got pictures of themselves walking around on the Great Wall of China, you know, cuddling Chinese girls, taking selfies, putting on their Facebook pages while they're out there. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, we hear about the um, Great Firewall of China, yeah. don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it comes to yeah, it's, it's, wholesale, it's wholesale bullshit. And, and this is what you see with the stocks. So this, that's why it's important that you see those stocks um, because it's narrative creation. You know, you see the stocks and what do you instantly think of? Guy Fawkes, witches, you know, people covered in feces and rotten apples. And, you know, when you go to the school fair as a kid, there'll be a pair of stocks there and you put them on your feet and someone will throw an apple at you and, and everyone will laugh at you. And therefore, because you're role-playing like you did when you queued up for toilet rolls and then, you know, done all the other stuff and clapped the NHS, yeah? And where else do you see the same thing? You see exactly the same thing at Stonehenge. Before you go and see Stonehenge, you go, you're, you're taken to the visitor centre and you see a glass fibre uh, version of a slightly smaller stone on a trolley with wheels on it and a piece of rope, and you have to pull the piece of rope, and then it tells you how many versions of you it would need to pull that stone. What it doesn't tell you is how, how much wider the rope would need to be to drag the bloody stone without it snapping. And then you see the same Aswan quarry where you, you go to Aswan and you're forced to watch a 45-minute video all about how they, you know, carved the unfinished obelisk out of stone diorite pounders. Then you're taken <laughs> outside and you're, gift, you're, 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 you're given a pounder 
and you're taken to a red granite rock and you're told to hit it. And then once you've finally done that, they'll walk you into the quarry and show you. Really? Yeah. I've never been. Yeah. See, I've never been to so it. It's role play. It's role play. <laughs> when you're a kid, you dress up as a Roman. You dress up as a shepherd. You dress up as, as a Greek god. You know, and and when we were kids, I was born in 75, we even watched a TV program called Mr. Ben, where every day he would go into a fancy dress shop and dress up as the cowboy or the Indian or the spaceman. You know, and then at your school fair, the fire brigade would turn up and you'd sit in the fire engine with a yellow fireman's hat on and you'd feel like a real fireman. So if you get people to uh, dress up or play the part, to them say, well, actually, that, those, those characters maybe don't exist. You're, you're, you're already too invested in it psychologically to then even begin to think that those characters might not exist. Right. You've already dressed up as Mary. You've already played the role of, you know, whatever you played in the school nativity plays. The same with the Dickens novels and all the other stuff, all the other school pantomimes and theatre that you would put, they would put on as well. But I've seen a real um, life donkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've eaten a real life carrot as well. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, it's what they do. They it's what they do. Whoever they, they are is what they do. Mm. Yeah. And, it, and so when you visited these graves, right? Yes. Um, oh yeah. Show some more. Show some more yeah. pictures there. Eh? Because I did get some graves. Um, oh, that's just the pillar of the stock there, saying A A B seventy three, whatever it was. Uh, I think this was the oldest. It says IL1747, I think it was. Yeah. And this was yeah. tiny. That's like maybe a foot yeah. tall, two foot wide. There's a bit yeah, missing that says, I told you I was, and then IL1747. <laughs> what, what they use is a J or an I. And there's like a, a theory to say that the I or the J is Jesus and then it's like the indi- an indication of the fake thousand years and blah, 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 blah. Um, I don't think it is. I, I don't agree with that. I don't think I don't think there's any years before it, period. And I think the thousand years, fake thousand years is, you know, we, we've got no idea where we are. We're living in a, uni- we're living in a universe that's infinitely old on a rock that's, inf- that's, that's somewhere. And, and yet we think it's the year 2022 where did that start and you go into bc and you count those years down you're like well you know where are we on the grand scale of things who decided what year it was well we did exactly the cultures have different years so that some of the middle eastern um have different calendars yeah yeah. there's an islamic calendar and there's a chinese calendar yeah yeah so ours is just as much a construction as theirs absolutely yeah so the the dating on the headstone is typically what i've been finding the headstones are quite small yeah. The headstones after that are quite large. You have to kind of rummage around in the ground to get to the date, sort of pull, pull, pull the grass back and, and you can see what's there, you know. Uh, and it's normally J746, you know. And when you do find a larger one, they'll tell you a little bit of a story about who the person is and how old they were. And typically they die when they're 70 or 80 years old. So that's another thing that's important when you do find these. This is a more typical one that's a little bit older. So 1768, right? We don't start colonising Australia until 1788. Right, yeah. Right? Mm. You can't find large-scale evidence of human remains in Britain that done the colonisation. 
when you go to America, you clearly can't find the large scale remains of, 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 of you know, bodies pre-1768, you know, using this picture as an example, because there was no one there. All right, yeah. So if you look, at, the the America, colonies, look yeah. at New Zealand. Yeah, we look at New Zealand, massive area. Look at Australia, massive area. We look at America, massive area. Um, and other areas that were that were colonised as well. We're, all those areas have got vast, you know, land, areas of land that just look like they've been scorched or nuked. And then you go into your history of America and they seem to be playing down the, the population excuse me, before the colonisation, there seems to be a lot of evidence of, uh, you know, stories of giants and megalithic structures that exist in America that shouldn't really exist in America. I'm only Um, just noticing now, but looking at this, 1768, the one looks like it doesn't fit. No, that's how they do it. That's how they do it. there's, There's nothing to look at in that. It is 1768. It is 1768. And it... I, I, when I first started looking at this stuff, I was like, okay, fine. Like, th- maybe I'm being paranoid. Maybe the churches are part of the Industrial Revolution. The towns and villages, like, popped up. You know, a lot of work is going on. A lot of population growth is happening, and therefore the churches are relatively new. Um, and that's why you're not finding any people in the graves pre, pre before these dates. But what you see, and this is, this is where it gets quite curious, is when you do find these graves, there's only one or two of them dated 1760, 1750. And then there's a gap. Yeah, where's the rest? And then they all start at 1800. So it's almost like a a couple have been placed in a village and then given a a group of people who then die 50 years afterwards, all all start dying at the same time. So you see typically, you know, I'll, I'll go over it again. You typically see headstones, very few headstones, maybe two, perhaps, um, and you see that every second or third church, and then all of a sudden there's a gap, and then 1800, 1810, 1820, bang. Mm-hmm. This is just the population explodes. So then you, then you cast your mind to, you know, back to what I said about colonisation, yeah? If we can't find large-scale um, human remains in the UK, then you have to ask who was doing the colonising. Right. Now, if no one was doing the colonising, what are you looking at? A complete mystery. You're looking at global colonisation. From where? I don't know. Come on, but guys, you, you've seen you Moonfall. You start digging into this history, and, and if, you, if you can't find large-scale human remains in Britain, then who done the colonising? Right. So right. yeah, we're, we're told by the you know the the accepted, if you like, historical narrative that yeah. around 1780 we start going to Australia, yeah. New Zealand, yeah, uh, yeah. the New now, World. If you if you were to if you were to globalize a planet, and the people that you're placing on that planet are not allowed to know their history, right? The cover story would be you would need a a, a point a starting point. You'd need a plot on that planet where there would be a, gr- a large group of people like the, the, you know, the British Empire, that were able to do the colonisation and facilitate the colonisation. So when you start walking around these graveyards, you think, well, okay, fine, that, that's crazy. That is batshit crazy, right? There must be human remains somewhere. 
And what do you see? Well, you see a narrative, and the narrative is consistent in town to town, village to village, and church to church. Typically, there is a large medieval burial pit where a load of bodies were found. They were all dug up, they were all moved, and they were all reburied, and they built a church on top of it, or another building on top of it, or a council building on top of it. Everyone, town after town after town after town, which sounds crazy. Um, but this is the issue. Now, I, I started looking at this and said, so okay, let, let's, let's sort of like try and remain objective in here, right? Uh, we know that Westminster Abbey was built, you know, around 1060, right? We know that if you're going to find large-scale human remains and evidence of an, an old ancient civilization, you're going to find that in Westminster Abbey. So if you pay a visit to Westminster Abbey, when you walk into the main hall of Westminster Abbey, what do you see? You just see large statues of lords and sirs and aristocrats on these big plinths carved out of marble, dates underneath for their feet, and all the dates start at 1680, 1689, 1720, 1740. And most of them, when you start researching who they are, their history is they inherited a large estate the estate had on it a large medieval building. The large medieval building was knocked down. Then they built, for example, Sacum House on it, and then the Sacum Park was preserved, and the Sacum family then started a paper mill or a printing press and then wrote the story for the local town. So what do you see in the graves? You see two graves, seeded, a couple of people that seeded the local town who owned the printing presses that, that distributed... Um, the labour force. So you then start researching where the children came from and the orphans, and you start looking into orphan trains, and you find that most of the kids that were working in the workhouses were all, were all orphans because it was taboo, you know, as you as social pariah if you had a child out of wedlock, so you just give it away. But when you when you've got kids yourself and the kids go to the Victoria Museum and you come back and you say to your kids, well, "What did you learn today?" They say, well, we learn that in the Victorian times, children slept 10 a bed and they slept in the dark, right? And they worked nonstop. Well, the only place I've seen something like that before was a concentration camp or Auschwitz. So what you're seeing is a, is a large-scale distribution of children, right, that's been diluted by a African slave African slavery uh, narrative that just drowns it out, right? You then start looking at what happens to those children and what what it would take to create a fake narrative, right? You start looking at the history or who wrote the history and you go to all of the Egyptian sites and all of the people that did all the work on it were typically aristocrats, typically from those larger states that had the medieval houses on it that got knocked down and replaced with a big Victorian building. And while the guys were making the money out of their printing press or the workhouse, they were in Egypt digging for Egyptian artefacts. Now that all takes round, takes place around, guess what? 1760, 1770, 1780, up to 1810. In 1810, they cement the history as this, you know, as Khufu and all the other stuff you see in Egypt. That then gets distributed into books, into the UK, pumped into the UK. By 1850, 1860, government passed an act to say that you've got the, uh, that every town has to have a library. Those books that have just been written from the work that's just been done by the aristocrats that have got just been placed, publish their books, they go in the libraries, and it's called the Libraries Act. 
that's 1850. By 1870, 1880, they introduced the Education Act, which means that all of the orphans, that may be second or third generation orphans now, that are in these workhouses, are then subjected to two hours of education a day, where they learn the Where they learn, where they well, let's say subjected to an indoctrination program or brainwashing program. Yeah. They're, they're subjected to two hours of education based on the information that's put in the books that have just been put in the libraries that have just been written by the controllers. Yeah? That happens up to 1880, 1890, 1900. That Education Act runs and runs. Then in 1916, I think it is, we get hit with Spanish flu. Everyone puts on a face mask and goes to World (laughs) War I. Right? You see history repeating itself. World War I finishes, right? And we go into the build-up to the Nazi period. Around about 1935, they print a whopping great big pyramid that's mentioned in the history books that's in the education program, that's in the books that the aristocrats wrote after they got placed in these stately homes, and they put a bloody great big eye on it. So we're, what you see on the dollar bill is an all-seeing eye. That's mm-hmm. bullshit. It's, it's our eyes all seeing the pyramid. And then there's a narrative. How did they build the pyramid? Well, how did they build the star forts? Well, hang on. I dressed up as an Egyptian at school and a Greek and a Roman. I haven't dressed up as an owner of a star fault. What's a star fault? Oh, right. Well, this is something that's only sort yeah. of uh, finding prominence in recent years. They are, they are everywhere, right? So why are we not teaching our kids Starfault Day? Because like, Geneva City is a bloody Starfault, right? Statue of Liberty sits on the Starfault. When you, the first thing I say to people about Starfaults is I show them a picture and go, what do you think of this? And I've never seen that before. And, if, and then I'll say, well, excuse me, if one of those was sitting underneath one of the most prominent monuments in the world, would you know it? I'd always say, yeah, of course I would. And I open up Statue of Liberty on Google Earth and show them what it sits on. And then I go across to the, the islands around it, and you can see the layout of one of the islands is a former star city. Um, and then on one of the other islands, I think it's near Governor's House, or Governor's Island, I think it's called, you can see the star fault on it. So they're there. They're, they're there. But the issue is, is that they're marketing a campaign around how did they build the pyramids, and they've marketed that campaign on the dollar bill with a bloody great big guy on it encased in another pyramid. Mm. And then they've marketed a theory of the Illuminati that it's the all-seeing eye and they're watching us. It's not. It's we're all seeing the pyramid and asking how the pyramid was made. And our, our focus on history is pyramid, pyramid, pyramid. Now, as the controlling mechanism from the 18-1900s fizzles out, Christianity, people stop believing in God, maybe replace God with a new God. And they stick that new story of that new God on the History Channel and they call it ancient aliens. <laughs> so what you've got is the same narrative repackaged and represented in a different way. Yeah. So why would you colonize a whole planet, place the people on the planet, but not tell the people what their history is? Yeah, what what do they get out of it? Those people have got no history. Who? The controllers have no history, and we don't. So, the, so there's, there's only one logical explanation that you would put a colony in a location and not tell the colony what their history is. Right. And, and that would only be because that colony has got no history at all. They're fresh out of the box. Right. They're lab rats. Shit. 
And this is when you get into the situation around the missing link and the antholes and the physiology and, and the MRI scans, MRI scans that you see. Um, I think it's Lloyd, Lloyd Pye, Lloyd Pye has done and the DNA research where he's saying that there's a, the, the cavity, like the, the mouth cavity of Neanderthal man is three or four times bigger than our cavity, right? That isn't evolution. That's a roots and branches rewrite of an existing species. To see a, a mouth cavity reduce fourfold as evolution is, is wholesale bullshit. Well, I don't know. I mean, like, my I've got a big dog, and his mouth is definitely <laughs> more than four times bigger than a chihuahua's dog. Mm. Proportionally, it's not, though. Can it, be, can it not be selective breeding? Yeah, so when you look at the Neanderthals, the, the size of their head and the size <laughs> of the cavity of their mouth is, is proportional. So you scale the animal up or down like a dog. If you scale a chihuahua up and you scale an, an Alsatian up, it'll proportionally it'll be the same. Right. You know, if you scale up a human, like proportionally it'll be the same. If you, if, you, if you look at a small human, they'll have a small jaw, small, you know, everything's proportionally the same. Give or take, yeah? It's not a complete redesign. You don't see a small human with a mouth cavity that's maybe 10% of its skull versus a large human that's got a mouth cavity that's maybe 50% the size of its skull. Right, I understand So uh, that. Lord, Lord Pye's, Lloyd Pye's work is really interesting because he starts looking at DNA and um, where this missing link is and what could have happened. Um, so I, I've uh, been working on the megaliths as well. And the issue with the megaliths is the people who wrote the history that um, we're talking about can't have seen, can't have not seen what we see. And what we see is hallmarks of builders everywhere. We see nubs in Peru. We see nubs, you know, in India. We see nubs in Egypt. You see a nub on the portcullis inside the Great Pyramid, right? So the people that built this stuff were were the owners of the technology that left the hallmark of the nub. So the nub is effectively, when I say it's a hallmark, this is like a swoosh on a pair of Nike trainers. It's either a, a hallmark of the manufacturing process or it's a hallmark of the, the brands that built this stuff. Um, in my view, it's almost so prominent, it's like a brand in its own right. Um, so you go all around the world, you look at all these megalithic sites and you find... The, the, you find a number of hallmarks. You find bevel blocks. So the blocks are kind of got a bevel edge on the outside of it, slightly tapered. You find the cyclopean walls where the, the blocks are interlocking. You find the nubs. Um, you find the weird corner joins that go into an L before the block ends. And you look at sites like the Valley Temple in Egypt versus the Corrie in Peru. And you look at the dating on that. You say, well, okay, the Corrie in, in in Cusco in Peru built... Um, around about 1400 AD looks exactly the same, excuse me, exactly the same as the Valley Temple. It was built 2500 BC. Now, when I first saw that, I was like, bloody hell, that must mean that the Corrie is older than they say. And that goes back to 2500 BC. I don't think it is the case. Uh, if anything, um, you, would, you could argue that actually the Valley Temple is newer, it's 1400 AD. Because wow. how can you have the identical building? Or what you can you can't have it both ways. It's either much older or much newer. If you've been brainwashed into this ancient alien psyop, then you'll go. Well, it's older because everything's older. Yeah. It's even older. What does age do? Well, age just dilutes things. Yeah. So, I've got an interest in hunter gatherers because wherever you see these these colonization programs happen, 
what you see is is squatter man symbology. Um, you see effectively a blank canvas and a scorched earth, like you see in Australia, like you see in interior of the USA. Um, and you see hunter-gatherers. Now, if there was a planet-wide genocide to get rid of a previous group, you're not going to get all the buggers. Some of them are going to be, going to be on holiday in Wookiee Hole, Cheddar Gorge, <laughs> in caves in Lanzarote. Some yeah. of the buggers are going to survive, right? Imagine, me, imagine all of us guys are now on a lads weekend on the piss somewhere, right? We decided to take a day out and go into a, uh, a cave we hear a pop outside, the ground shakes, and we all, all our phones are dead. We all go outside and go, there's no one left. It's like Planet of the Apes out there. The first thing we're going to do is, is probably need to change our underwear. Yeah. After we've changed our underwear, we're going to go back inside and start sketching what we think happened or what the witnesses saw on the caves. Oh. Imagine if we saw that happen 300 years ago. Imagine if you're the group doing the genocide that wants to wipe out the history of that happening. What do you do? You know you're not going to get all the buggers. You know some of the oral traditions are going to survive. What you do is you create a fake history and you push a starting period all the way back. If these people have seen some kind of discharge come down, hit the ground, clouds come up, what do you do? You go around and you, you, you know that's what they're drawing. That's what they saw, right? You could potentially take that, that symbology, knowing that you're going to push it back in time, and then start drawing a variant of that, of that event on, on older sites and then dilute what they said. You, you know you're not going to get all of them. These people are going to be running around and going, look, you're the new colonists. Potentially this world's been wiped out. Now, those, those new colonists are going to say, no, no, this is, that's old pagan and shamanic folklore, isn't it? That happened years ago. Well, no. Right. Now, just, just bear in mind one thing, right? What happened when we colonised America? What happened to the native Indians? We're told we that um, they got wiped out by disease. Smallpox and whatnot. What happened to the Aborigines when we got there? I don't know. Same, I guess. What happened to the Maoris when we got to New Zealand? Same. Hunted hunted them down and got rid of them. And we raped them and we diluted their genealogy and we took all their mythology and twisted it into a, a new narrative. Yeah. So when you see the squatter man symbology and you look at David Talbot's work on squatter man, what he's saying is planets aligned and it created this plasma discharge and you've got the squatter man symbology drawing caves everywhere, right? And yeah. those caves are 30, 40,000 years old, right? Well, you know, when you, when you spend a lot of time traveling and going in caves, the first thing you see on the caves is all the dust and the debris and the rocks that are on the cave floor. So we're supposed to think that that dust and debris and rocks, they eroded around the cave paintings and left the cave paintings on the walls. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what has happened is you've got planet-wide destruction that happened potentially 1700, followed by, followed by the introduction of a new species. Right? You've got the survivors going outside and saying, bloody hell, guess what's happened? Let's just draw it on the cave walls. <laughs> You've got the incoming group saying, well, okay, let's, we need to erase all of that. Including and the indigenous we know we're going to erase people. all of it. We're going to weave it into symbology, right? Yeah. And knowing that that's happened, you use the current mainstream media to just spin it into more symbology and more years and use people like Robert Shock and Graham Hancock to push it back even further. Now, imagine if that people were saying, yeah, look, you know, uh, do you remember the lost, the lost world? So what? Well, no, that, that isn't the lost world. Yeah, yeah, the world that got blown up and taken over. You know, you mean the lost city of Atlantis? 
no. <laughs> We mean the planet that got invaded. No, that's the lost city of Atlantis. We know that's real. Plato's there. Plato told us about it, so we know it's real. So you then start looking at other weird stuff that doesn't really make sense, right? Where you live, how often do you find money floating around on the streets? <laughs> Never, unfortunately. Right. No. I, don't, I don't either, no. right? But in Roman days, there was money all over the place, buried in the fields. They just ran around throwing money and coins <laughs> in the <street. laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and guess what they've done really conveniently they even put dates on those coins yeah well, yeah and then pictures yeah, and of the emperors around yeah. the ruins yeah yeah so we know the ruins the romans because they threw all their money on the floor yeah just to let us know just for yeah, future just prospect, posterity yeah, yeah. bullshit they did <laughs> yeah when, when when you uh when you round up the uh the artifacts we rely on i personally think you'd struggle to fill a couple of ikeas you know, you go into the British Museum, it's a big site, right? I spend a lot of time in the British Museum. But when you, if you packaged that, if you took all those artifacts, wrapped them in bubble wrap and threw them in a box, put it on a shelf, you probably wouldn't fill up an Ikea. So if, if, if there was a scenario where you were manufacturing wholesale fake history, you would want to do that um, to give people inspiration to evolve, right? The only reason you'd want to give those people inspiration to evolve is if they had no previous history of them for themselves. The only reason that you would not tell a colony where they come from is because they come out of a test tube. And the rest is, the rest is magic. Yeah. Um, and that is why you see no graves in Britain before 1700, because we were all so colonized. I think something else existed here beforehand. Yeah, I think it would be disingenuous to say, well, actually, there is nothing at all. I think what you see on a lot of these sites is um, is re- reworking of existing of existing locations, and we we found a site in our work that is that site. So we know the nubs are a hallmark of the, of the people that built the blocks. We know the blocks are then shaped into motifs and all the other stuff that goes with it. Yeah, we know the motifs match in some way what you see from the squatter man event that ultimately becomes two serpents calling around a sword yeah we know yeah, that. yeah. That's yeah the now, now imagine this right like i've done some research on um uh jimmy savile and abuse victims right when a child gets abused they don't remember the event right? they don't remember you know having a night of jimmy savile it becomes so fragment fra- uh traumatic and so detrimental to the stability, they just don't remember it. The, the memory is fragmented, right? Now imagine an entire entire planet of people that have been traumatized that much. And what you do is you then force feed them the symbology of the event nonstop. That trauma and that constant reminder of that trauma is going to aid them suppressing those memories. So the purpose of the symbology is to, is to sh- keep showing you what happened, so you keep forgetting what happened. Are you are you referring to occult symbology as well? There, no, I, I, some of no. it. Some of it. I think. It, I think. I think it's in, someone's done this. So you know that symbology of their false feeding trauma. So imagine uh, you take a child that's been abused by Jimmy Savile, and every day you show him a picture of Jimmy Savile. Right. 
Yeah. So imagine a planet that saw like a, a plasma discharge come through with like two snakes sort of things going around it, which is what you see on the squatter man symbology. Yeah, it's a toroidal discharge yes. motif, and, isn't it? And and Talbot is trying to play to the ac- the academic side of things and, and gain notoriety as an academic, but being alternative. Right. And what he's saying uh, to try and be academic is to say, well, the planets the planets moved around. Yeah. But what you see when you talk about the planets moving around is, like, well, that's unlikely, you know. And then you start looking at Aborigines and Aboriginal folklore, which is potentially not Aboriginal folklore. It's just, it's just knowledge of the survivors pre-event. Yeah. Yeah. They talk about the moon being moved into position. Yeah. Now, then you go to Stonehenge and you look at Woodhenge, which is like 52 wooden poles buried around the, out the perimeter of Woodhenge. Guess what they were for? They were predicting the eclipses. And why would you want to eclip- why would you want to predict the eclipses while the Aborigines are talking about a moon moving in? Yeah, what is the obsession with eclipses? Why is it relevant to agriculture or anything else? I mean, it's just know. you know, it goes know. dark for a minute and that's it. Why the obsession <laughs> yeah. with trying to predict eclipses? Other than I mean yeah. you could bring so, some so sort of religious thing, oh it's a bad omen, so we need to know when bad omens are coming, yeah. but that doesn't yeah. hold any weight with me, really. And 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 there's and there's more stuff that's, that's questionable, right? We know Flint was made millions of years ago in a geological process and et cetera, et cetera, right? Well, so why is all the flint on top surface? Why is the top surface flint sitting above the Romans? And what do you mean? I don't, I don't follow you there, flint above the Romans. What, okay, do, what do you mean the, by the, that? The older things are, the deeper they're buried, yeah? Yeah, you, you don't. Right, so flint is millions of years old and flint should be buried at the bottom. Right. At the lowest level, but flint happens to be on the top level. The Romans we know are old and they're buried, right? But we know Stonehenge is even older than Romans, but Stonehenge isn't buried. Now, the mainstream would say was Stonehenge. The mainstream would say that Stonehenge was constantly used by pagans, yeah? So you've got a couple of pagans prancing around in white gowns in Wiltshire Plain, yeah. right? Stopping Stonehenge from being covered. While in Rome, after the barbarians are bowled into Rome, sacked the entire Roman Empire and taking it over, gone, actually, we're not going to use this place anymore. We'll just leave it abandoned for 2,000 years and let it get buried. Let it get buried. And the, main, the, the best example of that is the Temple of Antoninus and Faustina in the Roman in, in the Forum. And if you look at pictures of Dresden, you look at pictures of the Roman Forum, they look very similar. Wow. So in, in, uh, in the Roman Forum you see all sorts of destruction in there. So not only are we looking at the hallmarks of the builders and the nubs and the polyagonal walls and all the other stuff that goes with it, we're also looking at the hallmarks of destruction. So when you build a brick wall, you normally get a T-profile between the bricks, wouldn't you? You have two bricks facing each other, and then you have a brick overarching the top, like like this. Yeah. Yeah. What, what they do is they... All of the all of the sites share a hallmark of the same destruction, and those the corner of those two adjoining blocks is cut out. The, the T section has got a V section gouge in it, and you see that all over the Colosseum. Every every joining every brick all the way up to the top has got a gouge on it. Right, the mainstream narrative is that was where the barbarians, after they sacked Rome, after they they you know they did what they did, they discovered they didn't have enough metal, so they wanted to start gouging metal out of the walls because they knew the walls had metal joins between the blocks supporting them. But obviously, if you studied this stuff, you'll see that the the blocks do have metal 
joining the blocks together. There's like an either uh, a double dovetail join facing each other, which is then poured as liquid metal into the midsection of the middle of the blocks. So where two blocks join, you'll see like a, either an H profile yeah. or a double dovetail. That's in the middle of the block. That's not on the outer face. Mm. So why yeah. would the, how would the barbarians, Alaric or Jezeric, whoever, know that you've got to take the blocks apart to find it like a little piece of metal? Like well, this, is this is the problem. This is the problem. It would actually be quite easy just to lift the blocks off and get in the metal and drop the block back down or just knock out all the blocks. Take take a brick off, get in the metal, take another brick off, get in the metal, take etc. So you just dismantle the whole wall when you just take the block. But no, that's not what they've done. They've 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 manually chiseled into the, the corner <laughs> section of these blocks, right? Strap right. them, right. So so what we see is Corinthian columns, right? We see nubs, we see Greek Roman, and we see that style and the motifs all over these sites. But when you get to start a site called Sardis, what you see is nubbed blocks that just look like grey breeze blocks you'd find on a building site. And that site got buried around about 1700 in an earthquake. And when you look at the pictures of Sardis, you will see that not a single block has got a Greek or Roman motif or style, nothing on it, right? Bearing in mind the site got buried, you also won't see the blocks from the original completed building scattered around it. They're literally building a ruined building. And between the blocks, they've started to carve in the T-section gouges. So what you see is grey blocks with nubs, with no stylization on it, no motifs on it, no excess blocks where it's been knocked over and destroyed. But yet the hallmarks of destruction already been artificially worked into that site. So wow. they're literally building a ruined castle at the bottom of a fish tank. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, no. if 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 the locals and survivors had seen this kind of squatter man imagery and say that it was some kind of cataclysmic event, and you were trying to get rid of the surviving knowledge of that because you were placing a fresh batch of whatever clones, yeah, GMO humans, yeah, 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 and they've got no history. Um, you don't want the the survivors, the old group, running around in shamanic tribes going all woo-woo, telling the new guys about the old world. But what you could do is just push their woo-woo knowledge back into antiquity and just say this is ancient shamanic stuff that, you know, is either a myth or, you know, yeah, a mythology. And of course, nothing to say, yeah. who gave the myth holders the myth? Yeah, well, again, I mean, we've done sort of some podcasts on this sort of the the origin of myth, and there's you know there's conflicting ideas whether it comes from astronomy or what. Who knows? When none of us were there, that's the point. How do we? We can't verify it. There are no certain answers in this field, is there? Yeah. So this is what what you what you start. These are the kind of questions. A lot of my commercial background is, is litigation, contractual disputes, and dispute resolution. So that normally entails uh, QCs. It normally entails lots of evidence. It normally entails a lot of like pre-contractual sales correspondence, contract law, contracts, and all the, the details that go with those contracts. So when you start looking at things on a, on a forensic level and you start looking at the detail and you start viewing history as a witness statement, versus what you actually find boots on the ground. Um, you start seeing very quickly that the dating of all the sites relies purely on the coinage and the coins have the dates printed on it and the, and a figurehead 
of the then emperor, right? You have to then ask, well, why? Why would you do that? What, what would be your point of inspiration for doing that? And also, why is all the money in the fields? Now, the layperson would say, well, it's obvious. They were all invaded and they shit themselves. They throw their money out in the fields and so they were running away. But I don't agree with that. It's, it's too convenient. It's too coincidental. You know, we don't do that now. I don't think we did that then. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure if you walked around the, uh, the, the, the you know, those, those terribly bombed, flattened buildings in Ukraine at the moment, that you find money laying around the floor. Yeah, you know, point. if you went to Ukraine, let's say we find a Ukrainian a, a, a flat a Ukrainian version of Dresden, right? Um, which might be quite hard to find, uh, and then you walk around the streets, are you going to find Ukrainian dollars and coins all over the floor? Where people are saying, "Oh God, we're being bombed! Quick, throw your money on the floor." They grab everything, kids. <laughs> kids are grabbing for the money and just chucking it out the windows. So why why does that happen? And is that too convenient? If you if you look at it on a, on a, on the face of probability. Um, it, it looks like it might be unlikely. But there are other things as well. There's more than that. We, we all know about the high-tech tooling that we find in Egypt, right? We all know that Christopher Dunn says, well, you know, that the, the drill marks that you see now, we can't do today, right? We can't, we can't cut a... We can't rapidly cut a 40-millimeter hole through, through a lump of granite. Of course we can. My bloody kitchen fit had done it the other week. Straight yeah. away. What Dunn will say is, oh, well, but you, you can't drill two millimetres per rotation. Well, no, you might not be able to drill two millimetres per rotation with a one millimetre drill bit. But if you put a 50 millimetre drill bit on it, you're dealing with the amount of travel it takes to cut. Not, not, it's not per rotation, it's travel per cut depth. So Christopher Dunn's created an oversimplification of the accuracy that you see on a lot of this this, this Egyptian stuff. So if you've got a 50 mil wide, 50 mil wide drill bit, that's cutting a lot of distance. That can easily cut two millimeters per rotation. And what we don't see in Egypt is we don't see evidence of any tool manufacturing, right? We don't see any conspiracy to hide the tools that made the tools that were located in the factories that resource store the materials you need to make the tools to make the tools that made the tools that cut the holes. So you don't see any of that. There isn't a global conspiracy to hide Egyptian tool making, and there certainly isn't a global conspiracy to hide ETs that land travel all the way through time and space into Egypt, and the first thing they do is whip out a 50 mil drill bit and start cutting into granite. <coughs> Yeah. That's because they use bronze tools, Dan. Yeah. Copper yeah. chisels. The, the issue stones. is those tools, those, the, those tool marks look so like our tool marks, yeah. they can only be our tool marks. Yeah. Now, I could sit here and blab on and on and on about ancient aliens and deep esoteric knowledge and Noah's Ark and two by two and everything else. Right. If you if you had an impact that wiped out most of Australia, most of America. Right. That's going to produce a shitload of dust. Mm. That dust is going to be airborne for a couple of years. That dust is going to be a flood. Yeah, wow. it wouldn't take a lot to spin that into the story of Noah, the global flood. It was a dust a flood, a dust flood. It buried the previous group's buildings, or rather, a mud flood. Now, rather, yeah. Here, here's a question: when you when you get into this stuff, right? Why did the Victorians build nearly identical buildings to the Romans? 
right? Then sink those buildings in London, in the ground, right? At a level that just happens to be the same depth that the Roman buildings got buried to. Oh, right. Ah. So if you look at the Temple of Hadrian in Rome, right, it's, it's nearly identical to Canada House in London. The ground level after the Temple of Hadrian or that, that has, has been excavated is nearly the same level as Canada House is sunk in the ground. Right, Those T-section gouges that I told you about, they are intact in square blocks and they're located on the front of the National Portrait Gallery that was built in 1890. And you can go there tomorrow, get on the tube, go to the National Portrait Gallery, walk around the front section of it, Trafalgar Square, and between the joining blocks, you'll find two mini blocks. Now, those Nicky might have spoken to you about the filler blocks. They are filler blocks. And those filler blocks are seen all through the megalithic world and are also seen on fairly modern Victorian buildings. So what you've got is the Victorians writing the history in 18... 17, 1800, through the Industrial Revolution. At the same time, they're digging out Roman buildings. Imagine something comes into your planet and says, right, we're just going to invade all of you, right? One city gets attacked and wiped out, buried. Right, the next city sort of half gets buried. A whole continent gets wiped out. At some point, some of the cities are just going to say, look, I'm getting the white flag out. Just leave us out of this. Take our buildings. So potentially you'd be in a situation where some buildings wouldn't be destroyed and they would continue to be developed and used up to this present day, while other buildings and other cities would just be left derelict and decaying. And if you was creating a fake narrative, that would be perfect for you because you could then inscribe all your motifs you wanted, build all your narrative around that, write the history, tell people it's ancient, push time back. So there may have been someone else kicking around before us, potentially is well but, you know this this is this is sort of, so this is me being forensic on this in cross-examining history this is me taking the evidence and saying well okay look you're you're one witness that's the evidence there's the witness statement from the other side which is your mainstream history and me cross-examining the two and saying well okay mainstream history why is there coins in the fields buried and why do you typically find either Roman coins or Victorian coins? And nothing in between. Nothing in between. Yeah. Mainstream history says, yeah, but no, but, yeah, but, no, but, but, <laughs> my friends, the Lord, you're thick. Yeah. You say, <laughs> okay, fine, fine. Why, why are there no graves pre-1750? Mainstream history says, well, you're just a conspiracy theorist. Shut up. We know where all the, all the medieval people were because we dug them up we moved them and you can't see them we say okay right yeah, yeah. you then look at those tool marks in Egypt and you say right mainstream history what you may want to introduce in now at this point in this kind of forensic cross-examination is mainstream history's friend called non-mainstream mainstream history and that friend resides on the discovery channel or the history channel runs a psyop called ancient aliens now that friend says okay these are alien drill bits these are alien drills and you say well no they look like just like our drills that friend of mainstream history mr non-mainstream history says no 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 they were aliens because eric von daniken wrote a book on it and the only evidence we've got is 
Christopher Dunn saying you can't rotate a drill in granite more than two millimetres per rotation. Yeah, and Zachariah Sitchin and the Anunnaki yeah. and all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So being forensic and cross-examining it in like a mocked-up scenario, um, it, it raises a lot of questions. And I, I'm not saying this is you know, exactly what's happened or I'm right. Like everyone's entitled to their own opinion. This is just my work I've done on this stuff. Um, while trying to remain objective and, and, and trying to be cynical with what we see um, and looking at it in the way that you would maybe look at a court case in the same way that we've, that I've done in other cases with anti-doping and, and sports things and Westminster, cyclist independent reform commission and things like that so i'm I'm taking a cynical what if view running a mock cross-examination of the mainstream based on the evidence you see and i can't see a legitimate explanation for there not being mass human remains in 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 britain and another thing that's questioned that i question as well is the age of trees in britain like where i live i do a lot of cycling i ride around a lot of country roads i live in hertfordshire i kind of head towards cambridge a lot the the fields are everywhere and it's agricultural land but the hedgerows and the trees only look like they're 200 years old you know you see the same in the prairies those trees those trees are really old only as old as those tombstones you see that's 1760 so something came out and wiped out everything it took the trees with it which is why if you go around counting the rings and the trees you won't find any trees with rings that that predate 17 60 1750 save for trees that you just happen to find in the big old stately homes that had the big old medieval buildings on it that got knocked down and replaced with victorian buildings by the people that wrote the history that's funny i was watching country files on at my mum's tonight when i went around for tea and they were doing some some queen nonsense as usual well not as usual because she's dead and uh they were talking about this old tree in uh i, th- I think it was at glams at balmoral yeah. and all oh, the, yeah. the majesty of this tree that's 450 years old how that's fascinating yeah. yeah and what else is worth researching is also a newspaper articles from the point, like if they've diluted the history and changed it, we're in a situation where our version of what's happened and the current history is going to be very different to the version of events that people would have seen circa 1850. So between 1850 and 2022, they could literally rewrite things three or four times and they and it's always in a state of flux and we don't know where we are. So a good source of information is old newspaper reports from that, that period, 1845. Mm-hmm. And what you see in those reports is stories of farmers that have tried to dig a well in America and they've got 20 foot deep and they've hit something hard. And it's, it's, it's turned out to be a seven foot wide tree that's buried 20 foot deep. And it's a whole tree falling over, not a tree stump. So what they've done is knowing that they can't build their well, they've then moved over four, five, six metres, whatever it is, and started building another hole only to hit another tree. They've then withdrawn from that and they've started, they've, they've moved along and tried to drill another hole elsewhere. And what they've discovered is that there is a subterranean forest buried underneath their prairies. Before the flood, the mud flood. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Now well, you then you then look at like psyops and and like they, these. If I'm right, if these people have done this, then what they what they would want to do is to take that information, just weave a load of nonsense into it, and and this is where you see some of this kind of 
um, stuff around melted mounts, like mountains and melted cities and all this kind of stuff. And I, I think that's infiltration, hamming it up just to discredit it. The, the, the way these people work is they don't care that we know they're lying. That's not a problem. Yeah. In fact, it's a benefit to them. The more we know they're lying, the more they can lie and the less we know what the truth is. The only thing that matters is that we don't know the truth. That's all that matters. And, and for me, the truth looks like there's, there's a lack of people. Um, you know, now someone could write an article and go, Dan Stevens is batshit crazy. We know there's there's medieval sites here, there, and everywhere. It's Have fire, you been reading mate. my tweets, Dan? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Give me a shovel and I'll go and dig them up with you. <laughs> yeah. This And this is the issue. We're not allowed to go and check that history. The history that we are allowed to check, we've done. You know, we've all looked at pictures of Peru. We've all looked at pictures of India. We've all looked at pictures of Rome, Greece, Turkey, Glepitev. Blecky Tepe, the pyramids. Personally, I've been inside every one of those main pyramids. I've spent time with Yusuf Awan. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I've been in in Serapium. I've had the luxury of sitting inside every one of those boxes. I've studied the walls <laughs> of those boxes myself, and they're, they're nowhere near as accurate as what Chris Dunn says. Um, <laughs> you know, I've, I've sat inside the um, the shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> Yeah, and, and Chris Dunn's work is easy to disprove because all you've got to do is draw straight lines on your photographs. You can see the walls are walked. And it isn't a fisheye lens because when you actually, actually look at the walls themselves, they're full of scoop marks and soft indentations. So there's no way those walls are accurate. Yes, the lids are completely accurate. They're completely cut, cut off. Yeah. And they're completely horizontal. Um but inside the blocks are kind of mushy, you know. Really? It's like it's, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, don't get me wrong. They're more accurate than what I could do. <laughs> um, Especially with a copper chisel and a pounding <laughs> stone. And a copper chisel. Yeah. Um, but they're not as accurate as what Dunn says. And, and, and Dunn, like a good example of Dunn is saying, well, look, you know, we know we can't drill two millimetres per rotation. Based on what? Two mil drill bit, a five mil drill bit, a 50 mil drill bit, 10 mil wide drill bit. Right. It's not ro- per rotation. It's depth. It's depth cut per travel moved. Yeah, the formula is wrong. Got yeah. bigger, so if you've got a bigger cut, then it's going to travel more distance. And it's going to cut deeper quicker per rotation because it's more blade rotating. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, so that that's really where I am in summary. And, and there's more detail. Like ancient history criticisms is, is worth talking to to because Andrew is... Um, you know, um, very meticulous on these sites and those of them all off by heart and take you through the pictures. He he would be a good person to talk to in terms of looking at the nub sites, then looking at the site I'm referring to, which is the blank canvas. Cool. And it seems it seems to have been buried accidentally. It seems to have been a work in progress that got buried by a volcano. You know, and and you you can go on with this stuff, right? If I if I now talk about cart ruts, you find cart ruts in Lanzarote. Guess when Lanzarote was buried? 1750. <laughs> I wonder if yeah. the same's in Malta as well. Same date. Yeah, the mid-1700s is, is the date that keeps on giving. Yeah? Everything goes back to that date. And everything is written by the same people. You know, Findus Peachtree wrote so much stuff, including work on the uh, on Stonehenge, mm. you know? Um Fuck so it's, it's more questions. I just thought we had the Jacobite Rebellion to worry about in 1745. Yeah. 
Um, I would love to visit a medieval site, walk around with a shovel and dig up the bodies and look for the remains. You know, if anyone was to debunk what I'm saying, fine, I'm available 24-7. I'll, pick, I'll even buy my own shovel, name the place, I'll go there and we'll dig some corpses up. Um, it's that simple. You know, put your money where your mouth is. If there's, a, if there's a mainstream academic saying this guy's full of crap, great, I'll name the time and place and we'll go there and dig them up. Of course, we're not allowed to dig them up. But Wikipedia says they're there. Right, yeah, the point is, you know, yeah. you don't think they're there. So mm. prove me wrong. Yeah, right. Agreed. Well, we can't do that. We can't do that. that that's taboo. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah, you prove me wrong. Put your money where you have. It's not. You know, I've made my point. You make your point. You know, take me to a large cap. And and the, the narrative on these these uh, medieval burials is also concerning because what they find is, you know, multiple human remains, effectively in a burial pit. You know, I, I think there's places that look a lot like that. Mass in graves around Germany. Yeah, mass graves. That's not how we treat people, our family and no. friends. We don't no. shove them and in mass graves. It's more bizarre as well, because when you really start digging into this, this missing human remains thing, at some stage you say, so well, we just didn't really celebrate death then. Mm. Like, hang, hang on, hang on, let's backtrack. What are those great big pyramids for? That we, we, why is it on the money? We don't celebrate death. What? what, what? They're tombs, giant tombs for m- maniacal pharaoh. Our entire history is built on the celebration of death. Yeah. 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 Um, well. So I, I don't know. Like it, it, the, Egypt is interesting because uh, in the Valley Temple, you see something that looks a lot like the Kansha, and the, the walls cover a much older site. The, the erosion behind those, those looks much, much older. So there seems to be something someone somewhere you know you never get taught about star thoughts at school why you know what what's going on there why would you just not why is it all romans and greeks you know why is there not anything on star thoughts yeah i i got quite a, a long way down a lot of this this research until i actually even knew about star thoughts and yeah. most people you talk to are the same. Never most heard of them. Are, never yeah. heard of them. It's they're like, what, what star thoughts? What are they? No. You know, and at one point way. there was there was a theory that they grew, like the, the basis of star forks, they just grew like mushrooms on the ground and they built cities into, you know, come off of it. So they just don't talk about them. You know, like Geneva is a good example because Geneva City is effectively built on a star city. Um, so the star forks is, the word star fault is, is probably a, and it's incorrect. There are more star cities and Geneva is a good example of that. And there are multiple other cities that are also a good example of that. Yeah. But we just we're just not told about them. Well done. We've um I could listen to you all night, but we've blown past an hour, nearly an hour and a half already. And we're gonna have to do this again. Because yeah. don't make me do you it. You know, again. I wanna to talk to you about like the education system and you know, we sort of hinted yeah. about academia and other things, but there's there's more to this rather than just the the uh, the sort of uh, the ancient history stuff. Yeah. So um yeah, it's been good. I've really enjoyed uh, listening to your perspective. and uh... Yeah, I think it'll be worth bringing um, maybe Andrew on as well and, and we get forensic with the pictures because it's easy for me to say this stuff and not show you the images of the sites yeah. and stuff that I'm referring to. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, it's only recently that I've really kind of seen this stuff myself. Um, but when you start really seeing what is going on for yourself, it, it, it's quite... Uh, traumatic maybe is perhaps the wrong word perhaps the right word i don't know um but yeah it, it blows your mind 
Um, so we, we've got access to thousands of pictures. They're all catalogued mm. for each site, for each location. And, you know, high resolution images. And we can show you absolute forensic detail of all these images and all the stuff I'm talking about. And the stuff we're talking about now on those images, the people that wrote that history, they cannot have not seen what we're seeing. They must have also seen that stuff. And given that it's the same people writing the same history across multiple sites, they must have seen it. Well, on that note, Mm. It is traumatic because I love ancient Rome and you fucking ruined it for me, Dan. You know, it's like, what am I wasting my time? Yeah, there's no point finishing that podcast, Matt. I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now. yeah. Um, Rome's a beautiful sea. Keep going. It is. I intend to go back yeah. soon, as soon as possible, really. Um, this has been wonderful. Th- uh, thanks, Dan. Stay on the line for us while mm. we play ourselves yeah, out. If you want to uh, follow Dan and his, his his Twitter profile, the links are in the show notes, and you can uh, you know see what he thinks about the current clown world paradigm that we live in. It's, mm. it's worth follow. Right then, Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's been Good great. Time. Stay on the line. Um, those of you listening live, we'll be back after a short recess to do some news. Yeah. Don't worry, we've only got five minutes on the cooking queen, <laughs> and then it's fun stuff. Okay. Fun stuff. Fun stuff Good. all the way till sunset. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Bye. Bye. See you in a bit. Bye. Right then, we're back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the mother of madness. Limp Dick City. That was our chat with Dan Stevens. <laughs> Dan Stevens, who's proper Twitter famous. Is he? Yeah. yeah. Dan underscore underscore Stevens. Yeah. Links in the show notes if you want to follow Dan. I mentioned it at the end of the uh, previous stream. Right. It's, good. Uh, it's good. You know, if you want to keep up with Clown World, he's the man yeah. to follow. It's good. Good stuff. Good shit. Do all those things. I think more more questions raised than answered. <laughs> yeah. But certainly yeah. through food for thought. I would say so, yeah. And he has twatted ancient Rome for me. I'm going to yeah. look at things with a... An eye of ooh, cynicism now. Oh, it's just like Netflix for you, Phil. It'd be fine. And uh, I'm going to go and find some gravestones from yeah. the 1700s. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck, man. Uh, pre 1700s. I found 1740. Right, okay. Uh, in an old church. But yeah, where are the bodies, man? Mm. That's what it comes down to. Slide. Right. Shall we move on? Do a couple of quick headlines. Headlines of the week. No, no happening. Capital letters, a big news story. Headlines of the week. Looking saucy. Heinz set to release ketchup-stained clothes for a new fashion range. In tonight's Fact or Fiction, we're looking into a story that caught our eye. It claims Heinz is now selling a collection of clothing intentionally stained with ketchup. And it's true. The Heinz Vintage Drip Collection features 157 pieces, each with a unique ketchup stain. The company teamed up with the thrift store brand ThreadUp to create the clothes with the proceeds going to support global hunger relief. 
the stains may not last that long, though. A Heinz spokesperson confirms they are made from actual Heinz ketchup, which means they will likely wash away over time. We have a link to the collection on our website. Wow. Amish Matt. I'm not Amish Matt. Apocalypse Matt is uh, ahead of the curve. It's just I keep forgetting that me and Apocalypse Matt are the same person. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see that trend coming. No. 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 Seems silly. Okay, moving on. Woman takes DNA test and learns boyfriend of six years is her biological brother. Shit. I said not to use this family story. <laughs> I shouldn't have sold it to the mirror, whoever I found this hell, this hellscape from. The woman who was adopted as a child claims she made the discovery when the pair decided to take DNA tests together to find out more about their families. But she has not yet shared the results with her partner. Now, there is apparently a phenomenon, something like phenomenon where you people can become attracted to their siblings. Yeah, man. Ancient Egypt. Assuming it's not fake. <laughs> they, uh, they, all, they did the Intermarian. Yeah, but I, that was more for dynastic. Yeah, to keep the blood pure. Mm. Bloodlines pure. Which is just like there's some kind of weird thing of, uh, you know, finding your relatives attractive for some reason. Very Freudian. Don't know. Don't know why. I mean, I, I only have a brother, and to be honest, I'd, I'd rather not. <laughs> really? Yeah, not not good, man. <laughs> no, don't Wait, find him attractive at all. <laughs> your your brother is very handsome. Yes, I don't <laughs> want to bum him. <laughs> he said you had to bum him. Oh, so I don't want to power bottom him. <laughs> you know. Okay. So, am I a bigot? <laughs> am I a bigot now in this in twenty twenty two for not wanting to bum my brother? Don't surprise me. We just don't we just don't shame sexual preferences, no. do we? That's all. Okay, shaming. Okay. Yeah, if you want to, you know, incestualize yourself, that's that's cool, bro. Well, <laughs> to be honest, you are functionally retarded. <laughs> yeah. What have I done? Uh, okay. Moving, right. moving on then. Yeah, should we move on? There was, I suppose, we're going to have to do this story, this story for the week and for the next week coming. Old Liz has popped to clogs. Yeah. Old, old black hands. You see her when she that met is, Truss? Oh, yeah. yeah, she was all blotchy, wasn't she? Yeah, it's pulled door, will you? Can you hear the fan? Oh. Pulled door too. Can you hear the fan? Still hear it. Oh, maybe it's the computer. Yeah, God, I can hear the fan. I've, I've, uh, I've had to boost my headphones because I'm going deaf. <laughs> I can hear the fan on the computer. I don't think you'll hear it. You lot in podcast land. No. But I can know. hear it. And it's, it's rather off-putting. <laughs> All right, let's do the Queen. Um, John Campbell. Should we get Dr. John Campbell's take? What, on, on, a, on the black hands? On the Queen. Oh. Well, a warm welcome to today's talk Thursday. Oh, the oh it's so sombre, isn't it? Yeah, melancholy. <laughs> 8th of September. Oh. And, of course, today we start by uh, noting with great sadness the death of our... Sovereign Lady Queen Elizabeth II, Her Majesty died this afternoon and we extend our condolences to all of her family. 
and uh, in the tradition of my culture and my country and my religion and her religion, uh, we now say, God save the king. Now, I plan to do today's talk on excess deaths. I'm <laughs> Bad timing. Going to carry on doing that. Um, the connection, even though it's you, you know, know, it's just you know, super painful. Was not planned in any way, so I'm going to carry on what I prepared. Yeah. So yeah, deeply sad, Dr. John. Yeah, he did a video on excess deaths. Nothing to see there. Only about 1,500 excess deaths a week in the UK at the moment in summer after a pandemic when we should be having lower than expected deaths but forget about that it's probably nothing so are we kind of saying is dr john trying to say that the queen's death was unexpected at the age of no it's just a coincidence he was doing a, a video on excess deaths and he, he scheduled it in he doesn't do a video a day anymore and um, how long do we think she was dead for, really? Oh, a couple of months, probably. On ice. <laughs> you see how tiny she was? Well, yeah. What? In that CGI'd photo. <laughs> my mum's shrinking all the time, so... She's got the shrinks, yeah. like the twits. I think she's, like, below four <laughs> foot now, my mum. Yeah. Mm. Well, I hope I get old enough to sh- to get the shrinks. <laughs> you already have. Uh-huh. Really? Yeah, like horizontally, not vertically. <laughs> oh, that's good. You think I'm losing weight? No. Oh. Your penis is shrinking. <laughs> oh, gosh. Probably for the best. I hear it's painful. <laughs> well, that's just because she doesn't like it. Psychologically painful. <laughs> anyway, let's... Um, I've got this clip. This is uh, Clive Myrie. Clive Myrie is a BBC news anchor. Yeah, top dog. Top dog. Uh, sort of question. Top dog. What, yeah. What does he do now? Uh, the qu- the quiz show. Oh, mastermind. mastermind I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> 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 question time. Show. Fifteen to one. <laughs> Krypton factor. <laughs> Have everyone got their blue shell suits? Going and go gold with Clive Murray. Wow. So uh, you know, I mean, it's, I, I find it really funny. Uh, the news cycle for the last month has been about how we're going to get screwed with inflation mm. cost of living energy prices yeah. uh, but now the old bag's dead so and clive Murray sums it up nicely just listen to this i at buckingham palace uh damien um the news a little bit earlier on today that the doctors in scotland were concerned about the queen's health coming um as liz truss was making a, a rather important statement concerning um the future of energy bills um that of course insignificant now given the gravity of the situation we seem to be experiencing with her majesty insignificant yeah. your energy bills are insignificant now because her majesty is poorly mm. i thought i was i thought it was crazy language to use yeah i disagree with mm. what he said i was around at my dad's the other day and he said you know i get the feeling most people don't really aren't really bothered about this queen stuff I was yeah. Like, yeah you're right there's more things going on isn't there <laughs> More important, more pertinent. I Not think for the it's BBC, a, though. A fascinating mm. constitutional change to a new king. I've I quite enjoyed the. Not the coverage because it's been absolute wall to wall. But you get you can get it maybe an hour of it a day and get up to speed. It's been quite interesting. Did you see him get? Did you see uh, King Charles III getting angry with his 
Needs a bigger table. <laughs> Couldn't, couldn't get those fucking sausage fingers I cutting know. around the pen. I said to you before, I'm sure he's going to stab himself trying to do that fountain pen with his fucking massive hands. Is that gout or cardiovascular disease or what? What makes your hands go like the fucking Hulk? Gardening. My, yeah, gardening. My, um, my, my dad's fingers are like carrots. They weren't like his. No, that looks unhealthy. I think your, your dad had healthy gardening fingers, okay. carrot fingers. Mus- muscly fingers for Green pinching fingers. Yeah. things. Oh, my God. Oh, gosh, pinching. Did you see the video of Andrew today? Who? Prince Andrew. No. He's always oh, he been, obviously, left to go around places now, hasn't he? He's been, has yes, he been released? He's been on telly. Well, didn't most of the family go to Balmoral? Yes. To, um... Remember, you can share the screen. I think it was only Harry who didn't make it in time for the announcement. I, clearly, she died it before the announcement was made, and I think they were waiting for people to arrive before they He's got gloves on. the message on the door. Has he got gloves on or something, did you say? What's going on? Look at Prince Andrew's hands. I just want to try... I wanted to try and blow this up. Don't blow this up. <laughs> Please. Oh my god, this is... Why, why did you... I could have just played this for us, but you've made me... Yeah, well, because, you know, people are watching. It's on it's a like tiny... Matt's it's watching. It's on a tiny screen. On a <laughs> tiny an screen. <laughs> Watch this. Uh-huh. Boo. <gasps> oh, it's been taken down. Oh. Right, I'm gonna have to. Sorry, abort. Why do Why do we do this on the fly? <laughs> oh, oh, it's word. It's word. All oh, right, okay. That's off. Watch. That's Prince Andrew there, with I think it's his daughter. Yeah, Beatrice. Oh, disgusting! Oh, you're such a gross human being. Is that Prince Andrew? Yeah. Yes. And that's his daughter. Is it daughter or niece? Is it his daughter is. Yeah, that's his daughter. They're taking the caption away. Taking the caption away. And uh, <laughs> there's a finger going up there. There's definitely a butt, butthole swipe. A bit of a probe there. It is, isn't it? It's a bit odd. Oh, no, horrible. Yeah, nothing to see there. Yeah, let's get off. Um, <laughs> let's get off the royals. Fucking hell. From one to one queen to another. Shall we go to the queen of the EU? Who's Ursula von der Leyen. Leyen. Oh, uh, von der Leyen. Oh, okay. I see what you did there. Yeah, she's, uh, she's been unveiling the EU's response to the energy crisis. Okay, what and is the it? the gas and whatnot. And uh, I think I've got a clip here from one of her speeches. Uh, is it gas? Yeah. This is what is expensive. Just listen to the language used. Because in these peak demands, the expensive gas comes into the market. So what we have to do is flatten the curve and uh, avoid the peak demands. Wow. Yeah, that's one before. Yeah. This is what is expensive. Because in these peak demands, the expensive gas comes into the market. So what we have to do is flatten the curve and uh, avoid the peak demands. Is she on a German new boat? <laughs> That's your warning. That's your warning. Climate lockdowns. Nah, never going to happen. 
flatten the curve. We have to flatten the curve. Yeah, she was coming up with her plan, her five-point plan. Mm. Do you want to hear the details? I've got them all brought down here. Uh, yeah. What's the EU going to do to combat the uh, energy price catastrophe? Um, she's going to encourage people to install log burners and you can burn plastic waste. And nappies. <laughs> Not a great plan. <laughs> Not a great plan. Though. Great plan. <laughs> But we also see that the Russian manipulation of the gas market has spilled over effects on the electricity market. We are now confronted with astronomic electricity prices for households and companies and with an enormous market volatility. Therefore, we will put forward a set of five different immediate measures. Okay. The first one is smart saving of electricity. The second measure. Smart saving, that's the all the whole um, don't cook between 4 and 8 p.m. Uh, don't have your thermostats above 18 degrees or below, you know, what they, how they remotely control your thermostats. Mm. That's the smart saving stuff. Turning off street lights. Well, I have my thermostat on like 19 at home. Ooh, so it's only it's a, part of the problem. It's only a degree. Mm. And knock it down a degree. Although it's quite chilly at 18 normally in the house. We will propose a cap on the revenues of companies that are producing electricity with low costs. The third. So that's like solar companies. We're going to be capped. Yeah, they're going to cap their revenues. Like the whole thing was come into this industry. Like, all right, it costs a lot, <laughs> it costs, it costs a lot to set up. But once you get it running, you know, you get free energy for a while. And then there's, you know, there's maintenance and whatnot. But also because the, the, the wholesale price of electricity is tied to gas. Mm. A lot of our electricity is generated by gas. Yeah, because it produces less carbon. Right. So if you have wind turbines that you've already paid for, that's essentially free energy, you can char- you're charging the market rate. Mm. You're earning massive profits. Right, I see. And you can't have that. Right. So we need to cap them, mm. kill that industry. <laughs> I see, understand now. You have right. to give it to the government. Yeah measure is that the same goes, of course, for the unexpected profits of fossil fuel companies. The four- So, yeah, capping revenues for fossil fuel companies as well. I mean, that's pretty much what we're doing, isn't it, with the uh, price uh, fuel cap? That's the same thing. You have a, a, a maximum amount you can charge yeah, but aren't, per unit. Aren't they subsidising it in the government? Yeah, with borrowing. Oh, we're bailing out the yeah. the energy companies. Yeah, so Do you remember are. the banking bailout in 2008? Yeah. It's, it's that again. And what did we spend on the bank bailout in 2008? Who knows? Northern Rock. Bank of Scotland. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was uh, RBS, wasn't it, that we owned for ages. And Royal it was Bank what, of Scotland. And one more, I think. Lloyds. Lloyds? Or was it NatWest? Uh, yeah, possibly NatWest. It was probably a pittance, though. Really? Oh, $850 billion. $850 billion. Oh, so... 500000 fi- 500 billion pounds. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and uh, the current bailout is... The government are, are hopeful that it will be $100 billion. Uh, Most market guys are saying $150 billion. If the war doesn't end soon... Mm. Yeah, I'll I think you can double that. So it's, it's it's comparable. It's the same order of magnitude as the bank bailouts, but this time we're bailing out so, the energy companies. So in two thousand and eight, there's five hundred billion on the banks. Um, 
last three years, 500 billion on COVID. Yep. And then potentially another 500 billion on energy. So 1.5 trillion mm. or a thousand billion. That's just ones and zeros. <laughs> well, we might come on to this. This is the problem. It's just all going to collapse. We are. We are. The West is, yeah. Right. The Anglosphere. Because our, our money's based on, on, like I said, ones and zeros, IOUs. It's not backed by anything. Mm. And if, if the petrodollar goes, if the dollar isn't the reserve currency anymore, that's it, it's game over. Mm-hmm. And this looks like what might happen in the next couple of years. It makes no sense to me anyway. The BRICS nations. So uh, where are we up to? We're on number four. I think we're on number four. Fourth point is addressing the energy utility companies that must be supported to be able to cope with the volatility of the markets. So that's the bailout. Bail out the energy companies. That's what we're doing. Therefore, we will help to facilitate the liquidity support by liquidity. member states Cash. for energy companies. Mm. The fifth and the last point, we aim at lowering the costs of gas. And therefore, we will propose a price cap on Russian gas. Of course, the objective is here very clear. We must cut Russia's revenues which Putin uses to finance his atrocious war in Ukraine. These are tough times, and they are not over soon. But I'm deeply convinced that if we show the solidarity, the unity, and we have the determination for that, we have the economic strength, we have the political will, that we shall overcome. So the proposed cap on Russian gas prices, they've already uh, reneged on that. Because Putin, Putin threatened to cut them off immediately. Well, yeah, exactly. He's not going to agree to a cash no. no, why would you? When no, he's got all a, the cards. It's a, it's, a, oh, it's a weak card to play unless everyone is playing that card. And if mm. everyone well, says, well, well, none of us are paying more than X amount for Russian gas, Russia won't be able to sell it for any more than that. Mm. And that, that this, becomes effective. But it's... And I guess that's why it's why it's been changed, Phil, because not everyone has has played ball. This is the problem. We are isolated. It's it's the US, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, Japan, Western Europe. Mm. Everyone else in the world says that this is a special military operation antagonized by NATO. And we will happily buy gas from Russia. It's like India. I know India are buying gas from Russia. Buying even more. Well, didn't they have a problem, or Sri Lanka, there was a problem in Sri Lanka with... That was to do with, that was balance of payments. Right. They had to, they tried to get emergency loans from the IMF. Is that still happening? (coughs) Yeah. (coughs) And there's more going. Bangladesh, Pakistan, Argentina, Peru. We have the, have you you heard of the the BRICS nations? Hands BRICS. Brazil, Russia, Russia, India... China, South Africa, mm. they're the BRICS nations. And then you have the BRICS plus nations, Argentina, Indonesia, the rest of the world, apart from us, in our little Western bubble. Mm. You've got the Belt and Road Initiative that China sets up, that's China's set up. That is a rival to the IMF. Since World War II, read John Perkins' book, Memoirs of an Economic Hitman. If the, if the United States doesn't like a regime... Mm-hmm. It sends in the IMF. The IMF has never had a, a, um, a head who was not European. <laughs> it's currently Christine Lagarde, Fifi Lagarde. We're going to loan you some money, um, Panama, for your infrastructure. 
Mm-hmm. Once you take that loan, you're indebted to us, and the USA runs our. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how the IMF works. Always has done. It's like loan sharking. Mm-hmm. China set up their alternative called the Belt and Road Initiative, and they're going through Asia, Africa, doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Going to Senegal. We want to um, help fund this infrastructure for you. You know, these dams, water treatment works, whatever it's development. Obviously, you're going to give all the contracts to Chinese companies, mm-hmm. and it'll be Chinese workers. And, you know, you'll support us when it comes to, you know, diplomacy, soft power. Yeah. We'll get dibs on all your natural resources. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the sort of payoff. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's all about world domination. You look at Western Europe, we're all bankrupt, and the States, our money's worth shit. The only thing that we have is that the dollar is the reserve currency in the world. Mm. All oil is purchased in dollars. dollars. Mm -hmm. That's why we went to war with uh, Iraq the first time. Mm -hmm. Saddam said, I want to use gold. And Mm -hmm. so America sends the rubbleizes, rubbleize them. Can't have that. Uh, I'm going to lose my train of thought here. So everything's banking on the dollar. The dollar, right. So 2019, I think, uh, the Bank of International Settlements, the Central Bank of Central Bankers, upgraded gold from a Tier 3 asset to a Tier 1 asset, which means it is currency. Gold is money. The only other Tier 1 asset that is recognised is the dollar. Mm-hmm. So gold is primed to take over. The linchpin is Saudi Arabia. They're the head of OPEC. You get all these BRICS nations and BRICS plus nations deciding, we're fed up of being screwed with the dollar. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll implement the digital one. <laughs> the Chinese central bank digital currency that's been beta tested for the last four years. Mm-hmm. That's done multi-billion pounds in transactions. Maybe we'll start using that rather than the dollar and we'll peg it to gold. Mm-hmm. Look at the BRICS nations. Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, oil, gold, rare earth minim- minerals, farming. Mm-hmm. It's They have gold and it's backed by assets, real hard assets. Mm-hmm. What is our currency backed by? Debt. Debt. We don't make anything. We don't farm anything. We don't have any energy. We're dependent on the rest of the world to swallow our shit (laughs) to keep us living the good life. And sorry to blackpill you, but it looks like in the next couple of years, this might come crashing down around our ears. We'll have hyperinflation, interest rates going through the fucking roof. And the best bit is the Bank of England, the Fed... These cunts who've been running this shit show for the last several decades, they'll, bre- they'll blame them. They'll blame yeah. the BRICS nations. Mm-hmm. Brazil, Russia, India, China, they did this to us. They abandoned the dollar mm-hmm. and used a digital currency backed and pegged to gold. Mm-hmm. Those rotters, when it was really those fuckers mismanaging everything decade after decade. Mm-hmm. So what country should we move to? I mean, I'd like my country. Mm. I don't. I'd rather not move. 
No. no. I mean, there's like a witch buried under a stone up the road, man. Sally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If, if, if you're saying what, you do, what you're supposed to do, well, prepare for the worst and hope for the best. You know, the worst is your money's worth shit, your property's worth shit, you've no pension. Mm. But everything's going to be pegged to gold. So get a bit of gold because it might come in handy and you might regret it if you don't. (laughs) As much as you can afford to to put away and forget about. The idea with gold is is, is that you you give it to your kids. Mm. You don't, it's not a quick thing. But if things collapse, that'll be the, the out. So you're best having some, if you can. I don't know. I don't know the answers. I wasn't expecting to rant on this for very long. <laughs> I wanted to do some funny stuff. You can always expect you to rant about yeah. the, the imminent collapse of the, <laughs> the global yeah. economy. Yeah. 1.1 1, 1. 1 mid-strength beers. It's a controlled rant. <laughs> did, you, did you hear Vladimir Putin's response, his riposte to Ursula von der Leyen? No. No? I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy. All right, everyone. Chill. Is that an accurate quote? I'm sure it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, Charlie's got it right. You let them eat Teslas. Let us eat Teslas in the West when everything's mm. collapsing around us. They're just such cunts that they can't help it. They can't. There you go, Matt Apocalypse. Real skills like engineering and being good with your hands are the most valuable assets in a collapse. Probably, yeah. I mean, it's like we have a service economy, don't we? I mean, if you've no money to pay for services, then you're done. You need something. uh, People will value tangible things, I guess, won't they? More. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I think I need to sell my house and get one with a garden, with a south-facing garden. <laughs> start living the good life. Yeah, and start planting potatoes, basically. <laughs> I hope it doesn't collapse over winter, because I have to wait until March before I can put the first fucking batch in. <laughs> I will have to get... Um, Shitting them now. <laughs> buffalo. Boot, uh, legs and buffalo bat. They're into all that micro-greening. Oh, shit, yeah. Growing the potatoes. Start potato towers vertical farms I think that's like tiny little salads isn't it that's all you mini greens yeah mini greens so I'll do macro greens (laughs) (laughs) giant lettuce Matt from Apocalypse says I'll sell my body for food if times get too hard yeah you probably get a bit of gold for a kidney Mm. handful of cress I don't think maybe you didn't mean that I'm just trying to think how much I've got my wedding ring (laughs) gold yeah and then I've got that's it. I put my, <laughs> my, my wife's got like her thingy engagement ring yeah. and wedding ring. Mm. And then maybe some other stuff's got like 14 silver? carat. Silver, you'll have some silver probably. Some silver jewelry. Silver, silver will be worth money. It's tied That's to gold. Uh, um, so, right. I've got so, loads of lithium batteries <laughs> in my power tools. Don't, don't open them up. <laughs> Melt them down. We could. Oh. Um, I'm thinking about then not getting the loft conversion and using that money to buy loads of gold. Then I won't buy loads. Like ten percent of your assets is a good rule of thumb for gold. Ten percent of your assets. Jesus. Value your house and everything. Like a million yeah. pounds. I was going to say. <laughs> <it>. oh, ridiculous. 
Maybe I've got <laughs> one bar, <laughs> one bullion bar. And what do you mean by my assets? Do you mean like the the, the portion? Your net worth. So the portion of the house that I own, basically, my savings, ten percent. Yeah, get some gold, bury it in gold. So, but at the end of a rainbow. I was going to say, where do you, say where do you keep it? Don't not in a fucking bank, because <laughs> in a pot, in, in, bury it in a field, in the middle of a field, in a pot. We might see, we may see bank bail-ins soon, what if if, if things start collapsing. What do you mean bank? What does that mean? A bail-in. It's mm. in the T's and C's. They can just take your money. Oh, and it'll be uh, it'll be called a bank bail-in. Does that mean I get my overdraft back? <laughs> I don't think so. Don't and uh, everything goes to zero. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, well, it's guaranteed. The government guarantees £70,000. Yeah. If, you, if you're, yeah. What's that back by? Nothing. <laughs> nothing <laughs> there. There's nothing back in it. So, yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with getting you 70 haven't, grand. Haven't we the famously government. sold all of our gold as well, or a lot of Gordon it? Brown did, yeah. Oh, that's another thing, another element to this story. Countries all over Eastern Europe, Asia, they're all repatriating the gold from the States. In massive quantities, quantities. Why? Because it is it all kept at Fort Knox. Isn't it, it was. Right. Yeah. Give it. We'll look after your gold, and we'll give you these IOUs. You know, <laughs> bank, bank, treasury bonds, whatever. What upsets They're all me. repatriating in massive quantities. What upsets me most what is that this sounds far more plausible than all of history is fake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does, doesn't it? You are functionally retarded. Oh God! Come on, let's get off this. I want to do some fun stuff. It's good though. Yeah. Did you see uh, Phil and Holly on this morning, this week, talking about the... Uh... <laughs> Fucking hell, this is a tangent. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's right. It's the uh, the energy crisis. Okay. Oh, this, oh, my God, yes, I saw this. this the champagne fucking... socialists on uh, the couch. <laughs> well, uh, Phil and Holly on this morning. This morning is the UK's premier mid-morning magazine like entertainment news show. Good morning, America. Yeah, probably, maybe. yeah. But probably sexier. Yeah. And uh, they play this game called Spin the Wheel, where it's a big, slight like Wheel of Fortune, and depending on what you spin, someone calls in on the phone, hey, hey Derek on line one, whatever, fucking... And whatever it lands on, that's your prize you win. It's wonderful. And uh, this was the show this oh, week. We've got... We'll pay your energy bills. We've got £1,000 oh, as well. No. So this is, is this, energy is bills, this... I think, for four months. Oh, four months. <laughs> four months. Wow. We'll pay your energy. That's the grand prize. We'll pay your gas and electric for four months. This is where we're at. 2022, mm. people. It's, it's, this this isn't normal. <laughs> Hello. Stops on that. Nice. Uh, so, nice. how are your how how are your energy bills? Are you a bit worried about it all? Well, they're going to be oh. more if I land on that, aren't they? <laughs> Charge everything. <laughs> Major. Yeah. Are you? I've got, I've got one of these prepayment meters and it's absolutely murder. Oh, oh God. Right, well, let's hope it lands on one you? of those then. Why Whatever, would... you're going to win some money, so don't go. worry. Here yeah, we go. One way, one way or tubber. It's not Here good in go. easy. Round and round it goes. Where it stops, nobody knows. Phil knows. Da, 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 da. Oh, thousand pounds or energy down. bill. Thousand pounds or energy bill. I mean, I think it's insane. It's going to be... Ooh, hey. Oh my god, thank we, you. We're paying your energy bill for four months. What a fucking hero. And we're paying your energy bill for four months. That's, That's wild, isn't it? Oh, fantastic. No worries. Oh. oh, what a relief. Thank you very much. Oh, listen, well done, you. That's. 
Well done, you. God, it's really like, did you watch the Michelin web look? Yeah, yeah. There? Remain indoors. <laughs> yeah. Um, What's this? You've won fuel. <laughs> What's this? It was like this the po- post-apocalyptic yeah. quiz show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. This is a pre-apocalyptic yeah. quiz yeah. show. Yeah. <laughs> and then basically they're just like, they're all dying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got radiation poisoning yeah. and stuff. Holy shit. Don't that, panic that, and remain indoors. That is wild. That, so that is a prize. It's it's sick. They've caught a lot of shade for that, I think. When are On we sweater uh, and stuff, yeah. When are we um fracking then? When are we like digging up the countryside? Ban's, ban's been lifted. Right. They're all kicking off down down near the M fifty five already. We've oh, all right. still got quadrilla shares, right? <laughs> we should do, shouldn't we? In no, the first gold, time gold, gold. Oh yeah. <laughs> Similar, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bang on, Matt Apocalypse. It feels like something out of the Running Man or Robocop. Yes, it does, yeah. yeah. It's terrifying. Uh, this will pick you up, um, perk you up. Owen Benjamin, comedian, US comedian, comedian. He's got some some life hacks for the uh, energy crisis. You guys want to see the coolest scam ever? You know how all these all these morons are out there paying for their own water? I just shoved the pipe way, way down in the earth. Free water. <laughs> yeah, look at it. Oh, I'm such a prankster. It's all for free. It's just right in the earth for free. <laughs> I got this other good scam going. I just give this idiot grain every day. And you see those? They get full of milk. And I just pull them right out of her tits. Nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just a, I'm just a little prankster, just a little leprechaun. Oh, Jesus. Every day. I prank these chickens here into thinking they're laying eggs for themselves. <laughs> but I take the eggs. God, I'm such a goofball, such a scammer. <laughs> hey guys, you wanna know one of my best scams ever? Every one of these things has like a hundred seeds in it. I just take the seeds, I put them in the ground, and then this this dupe, Mother Nature, just gives me unlimited food. I don't have to pay for my own food. I'm such a dirty bastard. Get away with all these scams. I don't have to pay for any of this shit. <laughs> were they were they like giant tomato plants? I, I thought they were peppers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just squeeze it out of her tits. <laughs> so that man lives off two eggs, <laughs> water, milk, dirty, and dirty thousands water. and thousands of red peppers. Yeah, such a scam. <laughs> Free water. I love that. You gotta, oh. you gotta laugh at this shit. Um, what time are we on? It's late, late. Well, we, we started late. How long's this stream been going? How do we even know? How would I even know? 37 minutes. Plus the Is that all? One, yeah. Yeah. God, it's been a tight half hour. Mm. Uh, Rings of Power. Anyone want to watch episode three? Uh, I've watched watch the first two, three. and I thought they were okay. I <laughs> I didn't think it was, like, forced down my throat. Like, I, wa- I watched Thor the other day, and they shoehorned in a... I think they mentioned in a previous one that Val was a uh, a lesbian, I think. Yeah, obviously. Um, and then Korg is, well, not gay, but they, they're, just, they're just men. They're just two man Korgs, and they have a baby. Right. Um, so, you know, that was a little bit shoehorned in. But I thought Lord of the Rings was, was fine. 
don't think just I've seen the third fan, one. I thought it was boring. You don't think it was boring and drawn out? But I thought that's what the Lord of the Rings films were like. We were a bit boring and drawn out. Even though they were good, even though they were good, that's just it was. They, like, had, they had the same sort of, they had the same feel to them. Yeah, three the fucking first, the first three look, mats. No, not, three mats, boring and drawn out. First, <laughs> the first of the trilogy <laughs> is dull. Wow, I would say. All right, Fellowship. so Rings of Power is far superior. No, it's not far superior. No, no I didn't say that. I said it was fine. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. I find such a, a milk tall sort of term. I enjoyed all of the ones I've watched. I've not seen episode three yet. Oh gosh! Are you, oh, you, you, we're going to spoil it for us? Oh, no, 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 uh, not at all. There's nothing to spoil because nothing happens. All oh, right, okay. nothing happens. Literally, the elf. He start, He ends up in the same place he started. Which one? The elf who gets captured at the end oh, of the right, second okay. episode. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the third, he's still captured. <laughs> you know, spoiler alert. Uh, it's just really fucking boring and slow, man. I, d- I thought that was... I thought that was, I didn't think that was just me. I think it's really slow and boring. Nothing happens. She-Hulk's not like that, though. I've been to episode four of that. That's quite good. There was a couple of new um, characters in it, this this episode. Who? Who? Madison, spelt with the Y and two Ns. But it's not what you think it is. And that that's a little... Uh, in joke for those who've watched She Hulk. No, and I won't. Episode four. Um, but I enjoy five maps. Why are you watching? Why are you watching Lord of the Rings just to get mad at it? No, I think I'm, I think I'm done. I think okay. I might I might give House of Dragon. Oh, you can watch She Hulk then. There's no fucking way I'm investing any time in that trash. House of the Dragon's good. I mean, that's I've heard, it, I've heard it's good. It's slow as well. I've heard though. it's well written and there's like interesting dialogue and there's you know there's the politicking. Like Game of Thrones had in the early oh, yeah, few seasons. Yeah, yeah. I like uh, Risa Farms. Mm. Has been good in it. Risa Farms. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you don't get any of that in the Lord of the Rings. It's it's just nothing interesting happening. It's really stale. There is a fantastic uh, horse riding scene though in episode three, which uh, was worth it. It was worth watching it for the horse riding scene. She smiles. Oh. Rest, rest in bitch face, Galadriel finally smiles. I thought she was fine. She's a woman scorned, isn't she? What? Been through a lot of shit. Yeah, like her brother was like murdered or something by by Morgoth. What's Morgoth? Is that on the battle? Pre-Sauron, isn't it? Morgoth's the, the yeah. baddie. Sauron baddie, was one of yeah. Morgoth's lieutenants. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> so, like oh, oh, Lord so, Vader. So are we go- right? So are we going to find out then that Sauron? Is the person who's survived the battle or something, then is that what it's leading to? It's not leading anywhere, man. <laughs> um, you know, it's called the Rings of Power. You're not going to see a Ring of Power in this season. Well, obviously not, no. Uh, no, you're not going to see... I don't think you're going to see anything. You might see a Balrog is there a, before is, the end of the season. It's a snow troll. Yeah. We're, three, three, we're nearly halfway through the season and nothing has happened. So I'm I've done, I'm done. I'm not watching it anymore. I thought quite a lot happened in the first episode. Oh, wow. Yeah, man, man from space. <laughs> yeah, like that was weird. Well, it was all introducing people, wasn't it? The first yeah. episode. It's like a mixture of like the looks of Ben and the craziness <laughs> of Phil in the one character. Mother of Madness. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm going to give House of the Dragon a go, I think. Right, okay. I, um, would you like to hear some amateur occult deconstruction of the Rings of Power? If we must. <laughs> there was uh, the scene, because a lot of this uh, episode three is set in Numenor, because Galadriel and um, 
Sauron, uh, what's he called? Half Brand, whatever he is. He gets picked. They get picked up on the raft. Oh, right. They get rescued after Bar- being shipwrecked. Bar- and uh, they get taken to Numenor. So you said nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they get taken to Numenor. And uh, the Numenor sailors have this, um, like a chant, like a, a mantra. Oh, right, okay. The sea is always right. Oh. That's the mantra. They're singing it on the beach and the captain's at the front. The sea is always right. The sea is always right. Mm. And I think that's some subliminal, um, intersectional occult messaging going on there. Of course. Yeah. What is the sea? Chaos. Feminine. Feminine is chaos. Masculine is order. Mm -hmm. Uh, The sea is connotated to the moon because of the tides. Here we go. Strap yourselves in. Diana, Artemis. Uh, The sea is representative of the divine divine feminine. (laughs) Oh, yeah, always right. Yeah. So that's correct then. <laughs> yeah, good. You've, 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 you've listened to the programming. Exactly. The woman is I've always right. I've not even seen the episode o- yet. Always <laughs> believe women. Women are always right. I think that's what was going on there. All oh, right. Whether the writers are that. Clement. No, no, they're not. They're not because the script's terrible and the dialogue's terrible. So who's put that in there? I don't know. I thought. I think you've put it in there. After, after, well, <laughs> no, I didn't write the script actually on The Rings of Power. I'm not credited anyway. The sea is always right. The sea is always right. Because it's it's an idiotic line of dialogue, isn't it? It's a mantra. The sea is always right. There's a lot of songs and poems in in the books. Yeah, but I don't think they have the rights to them, do they? So when they're left around the devices, they come up with with bullshit like the sea is always right. It's terrible. What is the difference between a stone and a boat? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that could have been a little bit more subtle. I'm a spaz. I don't know. I don't know what the difference is. Mm-mm. Right, let's move on. I don't think we've got time for my work story. Oh, I'll have to save it for next save week. Save it for next week. Um, COVID hasn't disappeared, you know. And there was uh, a press conference with uh, Trudeau talking about the uh, the booster program. I'll just pull this up quick. To remember is COVID's not done with us yet. <laughs> we might want to be done with it, but it's still around. And yes, we have a <laughs> lot more like tools. A badly dubbed deep fake. Yeah, he looks. T- is he like? He's had a lot of work done. Hasn't Wait, he? He are you saying all history is fake? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> well, are you saying this is fake? No, I'm saying it's badly dubbed. Right. It's a lot more understanding, a lot more knowledge. That looks like green screen to me for a start. Mm. He doesn't look like he's there. No, he doesn't. All right, it's not just me then. No. Yeah. On how to keep ourselves and our loved ones safe that have allowed us to get back to regular life in a lot... What kind of set is he on? Like, I mean, could they not put some shadow in there or something to make it look like he was actually there? He's in the hospital without his tie tucked into his shirt. Mm. Wapping that COVID everywhere. Limp dick city. Anyway. A lot of ways for a whole bunch of people. But we also know that as winter comes and as people get pushed back indoors, there is a real risk of another serious wave of COVID. Mm. One of the best things we can do. Oh, let me guess. What's the best thing we can do? To buy gold. (laughs) The sea is always right. (laughs) That wave prevent the pressure on our healthcare system, prevent provinces from having to take decisions around restrictions and mandates oh we have to present prevent restrictions and mandates 
We want to prevent those. The best thing we oh, can do to prevent rest- provinces making decisions on restrictions and mandates mm-hmm. is is to ensure that everyone is up to date in their vaccinations. Up to date. It used to be fully vaccinated. Mm. Now it's up to date. I've the recommendation. I've lost track of where we're supposed to be. Four now, isn't it? Four. For old ones, old people. It's more than that. It's five. Is it fuck, really? In uh, Monday gone. They, re- they started it this Monday. The uh, autumn booster. That was number five, I think. Uh, two in 2021. And then there was a spring booster. So maybe it's four. Might be four. Might be four. Unless you're immunocompromised. Because I remember... Oh, I don't want to get into this. <laughs> yeah, you should uh, be up to date in your vaccinations if you have, a, have had a dose within six months. Everyone who has been a while since their vaccination, this vaccination, should look at the fact that we have new vaccines coming. So it's every six months. If you haven't had a jab in six months, you need to get one. Insane. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we'll run the risk of provinces having to think about restrictions and mandates again. Ugh. Coming out this month that are tailored against Omicron that will provide better protection and everyone should get out. Better protection? Against Omicron? Isn't that like 10... I thought, yeah, it's not been another variant since Omicron. They used to come around, don't maybe they're like buses. Omicron 1 was started in, oh, in, in South Africa in November last year. Exactly. And it was in our country in December or January. Then we had Omicron 2, Omicron 12.2, Omicron 3, 4, and now we're on Omicron 5. <laughs> and the boost of the UK is rolling out is for the Omicron 1. So you get the Wuhan, which hasn't been around for 18 months, and you get the Omicron, which hasn't been around for 12 months. Mm-hmm. That's your booster. So it should be great. It should be fucking ace. Um, it's saying that it's, it's going to provide more protection. Do you, what do you think that's based on? I have no idea. I'm not going to say anything on that. What I will say is uh, America, the American FDA, has given the go-ahead to their uh, booster, which is targeted at the BA45, which is the current strain. So right. it's targeted at, targeted at BA4, BA5. And they tested it on eight mice. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's that's enough, you know. Don't need to test and it. those mice went on to win Nobel Prizes. <laughs> I don't think they got COVID, the eight mice. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, anyone over 12 has been advised to get that in America. So, yeah, I mean, they've definitely dotted the eyes. And get vaccinated. If we are able to hit that 80, 85, 90% of Canadians up to date in their vaccination. If, if we hit 90%. We'll have a much better winter with much less need for the kinds of restrictions and rules that were so problematic for everyone over the past years. But every step of the way, government's responsibility is to keep people safe, to prevent our healthcare systems from getting overwhelmed. And that's where individuals choosing to make sure they're up to date in their vaccinations with these new vaccines is going to help us all. Yeah, nice one. Good. So Why they is, uh... Why is Stephen King trending? Is he dead? He's got a new book out. Is he? Oh, maybe that's it. The Wheel of Car. Is that it? I stand with the Ukraine. God, he oh, looks yeah. old, doesn't he? He does look old. Yeah. Uh, he, he was better on the drugs. <laughs> Stephen King. Sorry. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. Right. Let's move away from uh, from that. Did you see the uh, film of Tom Cruise single-handedly trying to rescue the film industry? Oh, did he succeed? On his uh, biplane. Hi, everyone. Wish I could be there with you. And I'm sorry for all the extra noise. As you can see, we are filming the latest installment of Mission Impossible. He's famous for doing his own stunts. Yeah, it, what's in his mouth? Uh, Why can't he like, talk? Yeah, he's that... got a mouth full of yeah. wind. That's what's in his mouth. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. It's at 2,000 feet going like 200 miles an hour. Spoiler alert. Come on, man. And right now we're over gorgeous Florida Canyon in stunning South Africa. <laughs> and we're making this film for the big screen for audiences to see in your wonderful theaters. Hey, uh, sorry to bother you, Tom. Hey, we you. Hi, everybody. Hey, uh, listen, I hate to interrupt, but uh, we really got to roll. We are losing the light and low on fuel. Oh, yeah, we got to roll, huh? Low on fuel, that's, that's, that's not good. I'm sorry. We got to go. Uh, wait, did you tell them about the thing? Oh, yeah, the thing. Oh, we have uh, we have a first look at the Mission Impossible trailer and a very special screening of Top Gun Maverick in its entirety. So please enjoy. And hey... Let's all have a great summer. And action! We'll see you at the movies. Madness. That's insane. He, uh, he's probably shouldn't have filmed that so soon after going to the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it sounded like, didn't it? He's a, you know, I know he's a bit wacky with the whole Scientology mm. stuff, but you've got to respect him. For uh, his output and the fact yeah. that he puts his body on the line doing those stunts, like he's a big motor, motorbike fan, yeah. car racing guy, isn't he? You know, yeah, he's a, an adrenaline junkie. I think is the term. Yeah, apparently there's a, uh, a story about him sort oh, of fuck. having a, uh, a stunt coordinator, mm. and uh, he said, you know, he was talking to him about doing a film, and he said, um, you know, I want to do X, Y, and Z, and he said. Uh, yeah, there's no way you can do that. And he just said, oh, well, so I just fired him and got a new stunt guy. Nice. Limp Dixie. Exactly. <laughs> Can't blame him. Do you know what we've forgotten to do? Yes, housekeeping. Yeah. Do you want to do it now? Mm, yeah, probably in like four minutes. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. This is a Value for Value podcast. If you uh, find this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value. There's a myriad of ways of doing this, and my favourite, as ever, is word of mouth. Mm. Maybe you're in a Facebook group or a Discord server or a Twitter community, whatever. Post some links if you think they're uh, to be useful and people will... Get some value out of it. Help us grow through uh, word of mouth. Yeah. It all helps. It all helps the algorithm. <clears throat> like the videos. Hit the bells. Smash um, it. Leave a comment. If you have nothing to say, leave an emoji. <laughs> you know? It all helps us grow, and that's the whole point. Yep. Yeah. Bigger audience. More support. We can do more things. More gold. <laughs> yeah, buy more buy, gold. We can buy more gold. <laughs> yeah. For Amish HQ. <laughs> Uh, buy some stuff from the merch store. We don't accept gold, um, but <laughs> we do accept dollars. No. I think. Mm. 
Get one of these. Here bacon. we go. Bacon nut t-shirt. A premium tea, that. Um, apparently, that is going to be the new currency. Bacon nuts. Yeah, expensive t-shirts. Yeah, Amish loot chest. Mm. Links in the everywhere. Show notes. Absolutely. Um, join the Discord. Come and join the Discord. That's in the show notes as well. And then you can talk to us. Um, I can say hello to you. Amish Ben can ignore you. And Amish Phil can do most of the things. Um, you can post... <laughs> Just like the podcast. Yes. Yeah, you can post um, news articles in there. If you're going to post a video or audio clip, um, please can you time stamp it if it's a we long get, one. We get loads of uh, good videos sent yeah, in the Discord. Do. Like uh, Lee sent today, the, uh, the Coin Bureau guy talking about macroeconomics and what's happening with protests across the world. It's mm. interesting stuff that, guess what? You're not hearing it on the fucking Bieber ITV. No. You know, what's really going on? All you're getting is wall-to-wall liz- the, the lizard's gone, you know? <laughs> That's disrespectful. And I don't inaccurate. Care. <laughs> I don't care. Um, <clears throat> you could, uh, if you're kind of feeling like your chi is depleted or you've got something big coming up... You could always like ask a coronation, for, yeah, or uh, yeah, uh, something like that. You could uh, request some focus chi from us, and we will focus the chi to you in your a hole or, or your pro- pineal gland or your prostate. Yeah, I, I, you always aim for the prostate, don't you? In, in the men, in the men. Yeah, is that where the main chakras are? Yeah, it's one of them. Dog face pony sword. Oh, whoa! Oh, God. God. I was playing ourselves out halfway through the housekeeping. Jesus Christ! Oh, scratch ending. Right, I think that's it. So, on your fucking muzzle, if you go to the shop. Uh, <laughs> do you need to? You know, we do that afterwards, don't we? <laughs> so, there's one last way to, or the best way of showing support is toss us some gold. Toss a coin to your witch. Do it for the lads. 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 Yeah, because we're northern. Oh, we're northern and we're bloody and miserable and the weather's fucking shit. Go to the armistinquisition.com to PayPal button there. You can give us a one-off donation. Sign up for a monthly recurring sustained donation. Donations at a level of £50. $50 dues. $50 Canadian uh, quibucks. Okay. <laughs> we'll grant you the rank, the status, the cachet, the social standing, the degree of uh, executive producer of that episode. It looks shit out on your curriculum vitae, your LinkedIn profile, your, um, what's the thing, the swipe left thing? <laughs> Grinder. Yeah. Looks great on all those things. Only you fuckers out there can save Blockland and keep the shit show going. Mm-hmm. Good. Right, let's thank them. Should we thank the producers? Yes. Oh, do you know, um, we forgot a, a way of becoming a producer, one that we enjoy. So, like, uh, uh, we had a boost on Spotify thumbs up this week. Oh. Like about 15 extra Spotify ratings. Oh, did we? Yeah, and uh, I just noticed it because, it, well, I got a notification. So, if you listen on Spotify, you can give us a, a thumbs up rating on there. Mm. And that helps. And reviews. We like reviews on uh, iTunes and whatnot. You know. Good. All good. You didn't catch it then. We got a review this week. No. Oh, hell's bells. <sighs> oh, is it a good one? This is Amish Mish. This is from Gunter Groschenschlong <laughs> via Apple Podcasts. We might have to have an intervention here. I'm about halfway through listening to all the episodes. 
You know, this guy's going to have to go through all the COVID period. <laughs> oh, he's not. He's not hitting He's one it. of those people. Every starts, week. Starts at the beginning of Pikachu. <laughs> dun, 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 COVID-19 news <laughs> week after week. Oh, God. Wow. I'm worried. Gunther Grossenhaus. I'm worried about Gunther von Grossenschlong. <laughs> I'm about halfway through listening to all the episodes, and I'm starting to suspect that the lads may not be Amish at all. Oh, maybe that's just a conspiracy. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm about halfway through <laughs> listening to all the episodes, and I'm starting to suspect that these lads may not be Amish at all. <laughs> uh, maybe that's just a conspiracy theory too far. Either way... <laughs> Either way, I appreciate the time they take in between barn building and horse ploughing to give me a glimpse into their world and and just come out squeeing with joy. Love it. Lovely. What the fuck? That was wild. 28th for the 8th. That was ages ago. Wow. Yeah, that's how long it takes for him to cycle through. Thanks, oh, right. Gunter. Thank you, Mr. Big Yeah, Clark. thank you for mm. taking the time. <laughs> I wonder what episode it is. Do you think he'll make it to current day? That's pretty... I don't know how anyone can uh, go through all that COVID stuff. I know. There, there must be people out there who have... Well, there can't be that many, actually. You've got, you've listened to every single episode. Oh, there's a few. Oh, we should invite them on for a special episode that they're not allowed to listen to. No. Um, artwork. Oh, yeah. Oh, show artwork. <laughs> we can do show artwork as well. There's a thread in the Discord. If you have the artistic um, persuasion and you got on, on computers, on uh, the GIMP. Microsoft Paint. Microsoft Paint. What, what's the other big one, the famous one? Paint Shop Pro. Adobe. 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 Adobe clip. Art. Clippity clip clip. Photoshop. So if you if you got with digital art, you can. We have new new episode art every week for the thumbnail. And uh, we like to get listener sub- submissions. Submissions. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. How many mid-strength beers have I had? Too many. One and a half. <laughs> yeah, it's too, uh, it's too late in the night to be doing, like, the spiel. That I, I usually just... <laughs> off my tongue at this time of the evening. No, it doesn't. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well. But yeah, we like getting uh, unique show art submissions. There's a thread for that in the Discord. If you're not on the Discord, you can email it to us at thearmistinquisition at gmail.com. No submissions this week, so I knocked up this. Oh, yes. Nice. Now, I've noticed a pattern in yeah. your recent artwork, Phil, and I have to say I'm enjoying it, even though I know it's a filter. I think it looks very good when you're messing with the old Cartoonify button on GIMP or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, this especially, this this Dan Stevens person looks good in cartoon form. Very simple. Three elements there. Mm. There's the background, the library, change colour profile on that. Cartoonified Dan a bit with the uh, underpainting, stuck him in there, and then got the font of, like, it's like burned scripts, isn't it? The, the Dan Historic. Stevens. Two, four, you know, it's, yeah. it's been it's been torched around the edges. Oh, it's right, been made because, to look yeah, historic. Spilt his coffee on it. Yes. Fake. 
So Good. only three elements. So, I, you know, that's easy to whip up quick. It's not very creative. I'm sorry. It's less than a herd. But um, I'm not, you know. Sometimes you just don't get the juice, the creative juice oh, of what we want to do. You're right. Yeah, it looks, it looks good. Um, okay, let's thank them. I think it's time, isn't it? Yeah, it's time to big up the man dams at Yo. Producers for episode 247, we have... Gunter von Gloschenschlong, <laughs> Helen, Nick and uh, Slicko. Thank you. They are. Yeah. So amazing in their love. Literally. Amazing. <laughs> Imagine you. <laughs> Something extremely cool. You, you are extremely cool, guys. I'm literally a communist. The dwarf. The carrots. The grape. The homophobe. The winds. The asthma. The the number 11. The blind man. The fallen on the horizon. The cripple and the mother of... Smelly bickering! From hell. We are on I don't get it, never will. I got hairy... Cunt! Because I'm literally a... Poor. I'm a blind man. I'm too weak. Oh, don't kill me. Well, the thing is, what do you do? You call between the devil and the rock at a hard place... Jesus Christ. Oh, there she is, the dead lady. Mm. Yeah, thanks for your support for another week. It's uh, it's great. And, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Okay, I think it's uh, it's the only time to wrap up, isn't it? Yeah. I think so. How long are, oh, yeah, we've done an hour, an hour and three minutes. Yeah. A tight hour and three minutes. Um, Chris Pine, the actor, I think he deserves an Oscar. Uh, Yes. I think he deserves an Oscar for his performance during this press junket for the new uh, Olivia Wilde film. Have you heard about this this, this disaster? It's fitting. I heard, yeah, someone spat on someone or pretended to or something. Oh, or do you mean in the in the interview? There's loads of things been going on about it, hasn't there? They've <laughs> yeah. all fallen out, haven't they? Fl- Florence Pugh won't go to the premiere. Yeah, they've all fallen out, apparently. Um, was, was Olivia Wilde knocking off Harry Styles? Yeah, I believe he's, you know, they got rid of Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf was supposed to play the role, yes. Isn't um, he a bit wacky? Can you say that? Yeah. <laughs> Harry Styles <laughs> is fine. He fits the narrative, doesn't he? The current paradigm. Yeah, I think he deserves an, an Oscar for this performance. This uh, act of disassociation from his corporeal human form. <laughs> you know, my favourite thing about the movie is like it feels like a like a movie. It feels like look at him tense like, his neck. You know, go to the theatre film movie that you know you, you kind of the reason why you go to watch it on the big screen I, know. I think you know my watch favorite thing about now. the movie is like it feels like a like a movie it feels like <laughs> a movie. you know go to the theater film movie that you know you, who's you talking of, the reason why you Harry Styles, Harry Styles. oh right. the, the guy who isn't an actor one direction. Yeah. He's, he's meant to be terrible in the film as yeah. well. So he's been shoehorned in, basically, into yeah. this film because he has profile. Right. He's got a name. Mm. Re- name in, recognition. Yeah. He was yeah. in Dunkirk, wasn't he? Yeah, and he wasn't that was good he? in that. Mm. Yeah, he's he not great in, in that. 
He's not great in it. He's a bit wooden. Mm. A bit earnest. I mean, but fucking... People thought Harry Potter was a good actor. What's his name? Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, he, he, Ooh, I'm looking forward to a, one of film of his coming up. Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, right. Um, okay. Yeah, well, it'll be shit, because he'll be doing... Biopic. <laughs> Won't be as good as this film. <laughs> God, I thought it was misery for a minute. And, uh, <laughs> Kick. <laughs> he says, "He says, God damn!" Just as he's about to kick it through the, the what's it, through the the window. Oh my god! <laughs> I wonder if you can watch this for free somewhere. God. <laughs> <laughs> New Wicked <laughs> Yeah 2006 I think Ooh, Vintage Yeah uh, I think Biden might be I don't know what they put in Biden's water this week With, with his uh, press conference You know the, the midterms are coming up Yeah So they're obviously shooting, up, shooting him up with some wacky shit To make him sort of feel not like a corpse yeah, because he's normally sort of turning around and shaking hands with people who aren't there and falling up escalators or falling, down falling off his bike. <laughs> he, did he fell off his bike. Oh, my God, do I not have that? No, I don't think I do. Which one's this? The question was for the president. And Mr. President, do you want to call on the next question? Um, sure. Uh, I, I was given a list here. I, uh, and uh, I've had the honor. It's hard to say these words for over 50 years. Oh, it's so it can't be that long. But for over 50 years, uh, and the federal government. Total insanity now. Thank you, President Herzog. And yeah, that was that's ages ago, but I, I love it. I don't know what they've put in his water, but this is this week. So from from the sort of demented old codger that we just witnessed to this. You have to be stronger and more determined and more committed to saving American democracy than the MAGA Republican, that guy off that door. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I mean, come on, man. It's pumped. Not this year. We beat Farmer this year. We beat Farmer this year. God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. <laughs> God pricked our troops. Fuck's sake. What is he talking? Is he talking about pharmaceuticals or like Farmer Joe? I don't know. When he says we beat Farmer this year. But they didn't. <laughs> Stronger, more determined, and more committed to saving American democracy than the MAGA Republican, that guy off that door. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> Not that. Come on, man. It's my favorite, Pygnism. Mm. Come on, man. Yeah. This year, we beat Farmer this year. We beat Farmer this year. 
God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. Have to be stronger, and more determined, and more. Are we talking about beet farmers, <laughs> beetroot farmers. I don't know. No idea. It's mental. Tell me. Oh my God. Right. Well, <clears throat> it's way past. It's quarter past eleven. Bedtime. It's pouring down. Yeah. What do you want? Are you not entertained? Not a great plan. <laughs> Am I entertained? Are you not entertained? I'm a spaz. Oh. Kind of a spaz. Kind of spazzy, so. I'm sorry, uh, I was a bit slow on the the uptake there. Pray Shevelin. They're just such cunts that they can't help it. No. Well. It's another week. In the bag. In the- Hold my bag, bitch. <laughs> my bag of episodes, bitch. Mm. You are functionally retarded. Oh, Willie G. <laughs> Isle of Cox. <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> right, are we going? Yeah, let's go. Praise Shabalon and all yeah. the Elohim. Mm. Yes. Got the biggest cock. Chungus never seems so sus. So sus. So sus. He vents to, to electrical. electrical. He vents to electrical. Reported to have been a rod of God. I think that was an epic dub. Epic dub. Uh, yeah. I'm really sweaty. I don't know if that's because I've been so animated or because the body heat in here is just immense. It's probably a bit of both. Wow. You should have aimed for the prostate. I'm going to aim for the prostate in the men. I mean... Just let us go! <laughs> you know, uh, this scene music is on an eternal loop. As long as that's going... It's party central. Central. Limp dick city. I love you. (laughs) Spazzing on that ass. Right. Good. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Boot your teacher out of My name is Evan. This is such a crock of shit. You have no authority here, Jackie Weaver. No, they can't. This is the vice chair's here. I take charge. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. You are functionally retarded.